Mo Facts with Adam Curry for June 13th, 2020. This is episode number 40. And it's like I've been on a ride on an educational trip along with everybody here for the past uh, 39 episodes. And as if history has unfolded itself right before us, culminating in this episode, it can be only jam-packed. Mo, how you doing? I'm doing good, Adam. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm excited, man. We uh, we took an extra long pause between shows. Um, of course, you know you actually have a job and family and kids and annoying things like uh, you know a move. <laughs> that, oh yeah, so, <laughs> oh yeah, that little thing. It's like tomorrow. Aren't you guys like packing up tomorrow for good? Is that it? Uh, not for good, but we're we'll, we're getting there. Okay. So, oh, very good. This might be the last show in this current location, so it's. it's extra special so we'll see how it goes and we've just had so much um happen so many things unfolding so many game plans at play i've tried to keep up a little bit on the no agenda show but i think a lot of people with me are very excited to uh (laughs) to unfold uh what you have uh packed up for us this evening well before i can unpack it i guess you need to spin that wheel oh yeah of (laughs) course all right here we go yes let's spin it let's see what the topic is what would it possibly be? I wonder if uh, Mo could wage something, but no, no one knows except Mo knows. What is the topic for episode number 40? Choreographing chaos. <laughs> yes, indeed. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay. I'm I'm ready, and, and of course, I'm well prepared. I've been doing so much research. I've even sent you links. I don't know if yeah, they were worth anything. No, you you sent me plenty of links. Uh, I even I borrowed a couple of your clips. Good. I thought good, it was good, just good. awesome. Uh, they hit right on the point. But this whole George Floyd situation, I'm not going to navigate the legal side of it in this show. Okay. I plan to postpone that until the whole thing is over. And then I'll do something similar like we did with Botham John. I mean, what this, I want to look at, yeah, this is fluid. I ahead. mean, the situation is still fluid. Certainly, the legal side, but there's there's fluidity everywhere at this at this moment. Yes, but what we did witness is uh, chaos being choreographed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to use the George Floyd case as the catalyst for everything that followed that up until this point. So, so that's what we're gonna get into tonight. Okay, so we um, so we move on but, from that point, and from- so, so we're gonna pick up where this at, at the nine minutes <laughs> at the beginning of that. We're gonna pick up at the beginning of that nine minutes, and then everything that happened after that 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 was a catalyst for. Okay, um, so I guess <clears throat> we'll jump right in with uh the death of George Floyd, a timeline. On Monday, May 25th, Minneapolis police officers respond to a call about a customer using a counterfeit $20 bill. Officers arrive and pull the suspect, 46-year-old George Floyd, from his car, placing him in handcuffs. Minutes later, officers lay Floyd down beside the rear tire of the police car. An officer later identified as Derek Chauvin places his knee on Floyd's neck. As Floyd tells officers he can't breathe, bystanders plead for his life. Stop breathing right there, bro. 
After approximately three minutes, Floyd becomes unresponsive. Officer Chauvin continues to keep his knee on Floyd's neck until paramedics arrive, approximately five minutes later. The incident is the latest in a series of racially charged confrontations in recent weeks, including the death of Ahmaud Arbery, the police shooting of Breonna Taylor, and a 911 call about a black bird watcher in Central Park. You know, I'm glad you labeled that clip with NBC News, because uh, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't known, the uh, beautiful music under there would have just dragged me into some kind of uh, true crime podcast. And I apologize for this because I created a special ISO just for this show. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Your attention, please. Trigger warning has been activated. That's a good one. I'm going to have to steal that from you. This is a good ISO. Where'd you get that from? I like it. That's great. Uh, I found it on YouTube. On ah. YouTube. So. All right, everyone is now appropriately warned. We may continue. The reason why I did that, because last week I had some trauma-based entertainment in there, and I felt kind of bad, uh, so I don't want to, you know, trigger anybody without warning them, at least. All right. Uh, to get where I stand on this whole, what happened on the street that day, I want to get that out the way now. Okay. So I have five clips from uh, Janine, uh, Judge, excuse me, Judge Janine Pirro. Uh, <laughs> And she mirrors my thoughts on this whole case. So I broke it down in five segments. Wow. We'll hold, hold, on, hold, on, hold on a second. That's really interesting. Yeah. That is not someone I would immediately think would mirror your thoughts. That's why I used it. Cause yeah. I don't think, I think everybody's on the same page with this case uh, for the most part. As you stated, you went and aligned me with her as far as views no but it's quite clear if we, when you hear these clips why i picked them so if you okay. want to jump right into the, the first clip that, that'd be cool what happened to george floyd was a torturous and sadistic murder that has been etched into our national consciousness it can only be handled in one way with zero tolerance zero Within days, Minneapolis DA Mike Freeman, an accomplished veteran prosecutor, charged police officer Derek Chauvin with murder. Now, all four officers are in custody for aiding and abetting the second-degree murder of George Floyd. But might Chauvin have been charged with murder one? The one element that distinguishes murder one from murder two is the causing of death with premeditation. The sentence then changes from under 40 years to life imprisonment. Now, some say it's too high a charge, that a jury will compromise, that racism is reflected in jury verdicts. But as DA, my office prosecuted an off-duty white New York City police officer for shooting and killing a black man. They said murder was too high a charge, that it can't be done. The jury in my case didn't think murder was too high a charge, and neither did the highest court in New York. Well, now that's interesting, and I, I heard you ring your bell. Uh, mm-hmm. So he didn't get, he got murder two, not murder one, because murder one means you had intent to kill. If he's yes. a racist, then I presume he had intent to kill. I don't even think it boils down to him being a racist. It's the intent, and she's going to get into intent. 
That's why I love this whole set of clips because this, this is a judge talking. This is mm-hmm. not a news uh, broadcaster or a teleprompter reader. This is an actual judge. And I think her the legal case she makes for it, which I agree with her, I think it should be murder one. Now, we're not going to, like I said, we're not going to dive too deep into litigating the case right now. No, no, but, but all, all, I'm, all I'm saying is mm-hmm. uh, if he, you know, the guy, he, if, he, if he sat on him to kill him, to squeeze the life out of him, that's intent. That should be murder one. So it's weird that he was charged with murder two. And it, that's going to play into the full story of this show. Okay. How the charges came out and, you know, they started low and yeah, started went higher, with, but didn't yeah. go high enough. I, that's all part of this, the strategy, I think, or oh. the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dvorak said something like this. That, uh, the higher they make it, the harder it is to prove, the easier it is to get the cops off. I look at it a little different than that, but. Let's get let's listen to her and clip two. Maybe she talks about intent a little bit more. Officer Derek Chauvin's actions are beyond reckless, beyond depraved, beyond a simple intentional murder. George Floyd was not resisting arrest. He was compliant. Even more egregious, he wasn't being arrested for a violent crime, but for allegedly using a counterfeit $20 bill to buy food during a pandemic. As to premeditation, like intent, it can be formed in seconds, simultaneous with the act itself. Consider what was going on during the 8 minutes and 46 seconds while the officer Chauvin had his knee on George's neck. That knee stayed on George's neck until after he expired. He never let up. George begs him not once, not twice, Not five times, not 10 times, but 16 times to allow him to breathe. He repeatedly and continuously pleads, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, please. And all of that was in the first five minutes. Okay. As she said, intent can be almost simultaneous in a split second. Yep. so we're not, I think a lot of times people think premeditation and intent is like when he came up to the scene. He already had it in his mind. Be, right, right. Right. Which that could be a possibility <laughs> how yeah. things are playing out. But that's another show for another day. <laughs> yeah. um, well, here, here you have a judge from, and this is important, from Fox News. That's it, coming it make, out and It saying, makes a difference. Yes, it does. It, it, it makes a huge difference. And she's saying that there is a case for murder one. But it's amazing that that's not what the original charge was. And that's not even what we got to now. I think we're at murder two. Yeah, murder murder three was the original charge. Well, there was no charge. Then murder three, now murder two. <laughs> yeah, that's where it stands as far as I know. But it's, it's I don't know because, you know, they just uh, uh, voted to replace the entire Minneapolis police department. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there. All kinds of weird stuff going on. It is, and it you and it makes you wonder. Just on this show, we talk about symbolism a lot, and you know, with uh, other topics we had, numbers matter. So yes, going for murder one would be the proper symbolism yes. for this case, and I think that would have diffused a lot of things. But if you want, don't want it to be diffused, 
then you let let it lie. Yeah, yeah, that's a, and they took a long time to to go from murder three to murder two, didn't they? Didn't it take? Uh, yeah, they. I guess they had some backdoor meetings. They took a long time for the charges to come out. Period. Yeah. Yes. From where if you have a tape, <laughs> uh, almost nine minutes seeing this, uh, and it took days. But I think that's part of the plan. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think the judge is making an excellent case, and I'm with her 100% so far. Uh, let's see if I continue to stay with her. The other new police officers actually sitting on his back and legs asked Chauvin if they should roll George on his side, which would give George some breathing room. Chauvin says no and continues to press his knee into George's neck. You can see Chauvin periodically shift to get maximum leverage from his left knee onto George's neck while the other officers are on George's back and legs suppressing his diaphragm, making it even more difficult for him to breathe. George continues to plead for his life. Again, an officer asks if they can roll George onto his side. Chauvin says no readjusting his knee into George's neck as Chauvin's own right foot moves freely, proving the full weight of his body was leveraged onto George's neck. Mm-hmm. So this is a judge speaking. <laughs> yeah. And once again, Fox News is pro-law enforcement, pro-police, and she's saying he had his knee, his full weight on his neck. Yep. All of this is important because how is it in a democratically ran city with a Democratic mayor? You know, uh, they the charges took so long and they didn't get the proper charge, according to the judge. Not my words. The, this is the judge's words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just find that strange. I, I, I found that. But I understood what was going on. <clears throat> now, in the timeline piece, before we continue on the judge, I don't want to get too far. Can I just in, inter- they, in, can I just interject yes. one please, thing, please, please? Yes. Um, only it's just a data point. It may not be uh, irrelevant. The Minneapolis mm-hmm. Police Department received uh, training uh, from a very specific unit that has trained a lot of police around the United States. And I think they do it at a discounted rate or they have some kind of deal or something. So if you've ever seen this um, in the Middle East, uh, specifically in Israel, the knee to the neck is not uncommon. Um, goggles? Goggles? No, 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 no. <laughs> <Okay>. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's my understanding that the, uh, that's the, um, the Minneapolis police force, at least some or for some period, was trained by uh, Israelis. And they have a ran lit- out of Chicago, right? Ran yeah, out of Chicago. That's, that's, that, that that's op- what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Which makes a difference. They have a, diff- they have a different idea about uh, policing. And this operation, and this operation has popped up before. Uh huh. But if if that's the case, being that, um, Unless, that doesn't make it have, right. In fact, uh, it makes it doubly no, wrong because you're getting trained from outside it, the community. So it's completely wrong. And, and I'm glad you brought this point up because when you have a Ilma, uh, Ilan um, Omar, yeah, Ilan Omar, and you have um, the the DA, the special appointed DA, his name's my mind. Um, Ellison, uh, what is it? The Attorney Ellison, General. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, but he was he's been assigned to this case. Ellison, Both the Ellison, the girlfriend beater. 
Right. Well, well, both of these are been very hard on Israel. Exactly. How weird is that? Why has not this? Why has this not came up? You brought it up. Why this should be factored in? This is a. I think. I think it's a point. I hate to use this term, but I hate using this term. But we have a race soldier. If they're going to paint it, you know. Yeah. Straight Israel trained race soldier. Yeah. Murder a man on the streets. That's the case I would make if I was in their shoes Mm. and had their viewpoint. Why? But but they're not doing it. No, it's not being made. That was a perfect opportunity. You're so right. Jeez. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. We should, maybe we should call her. Give Elon Omar a little jingle. Hey, hey, girl, what you doing? <laughs> right, but I saw this thing building up up until this point, and I was going to recur not this case, but the other cases um, with uh, Ahmad and Brianna. And Brianna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I saw them start ramping up because the Ahmad case was very old. Uh, just just off of the 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 tape surface, but the case itself was right, old. Right, and Brianna case came out after that. And that, they had to dig that one from the past. I'm like, hold on, what's yeah, but, going but they, on here? They act, they act like it happened the same week. And that's that's the that's the portrayal from the from the M5, the mainstream media that you know it's like here's the names. They, they're building they they're building up building a case. for 2020. Building a case, you, you bet. Well, hey, Rev Al is all over the place, <laughs> so that's this is no surprise. Someone's building some kind of case. So I didn't want to get too far from that timeline because it has slipped past me. But I just want to show why this incident on this street at this point made this uh, explode because it was already building. Um, And there's a reason. The the tension was building in the media. Yep. Yes. Uh, So I guess we're going to get into uh, Judge uh, Piro 4. At least a dozen times, witnesses separately yell at police, he can't breathe. They implore Tao, the officer standing, to do something, for Chauvin to get, his, uh, to get off his neck. They beg the officer to check George's pulse. As this is taking place, George says, I'm through. He repeats, I'm through. I'm through. Then he cries in pain. They're going to, to kill me. Please, please. He continues to wail, crying out, please, please, begging, please, man. And then wails again in pain. The passersby continue to say, you got him down, let him breathe. As they plead with Chauvin, George says, please, your knee is on my neck. Chauvin's response reveals his state of mind. Chauvin says, get up and get in the car. He mocks George repeatedly. Yeah, she's really doing a reenactment. This is something for Judge Janine. And she sound she sounded like she was about to start choking up. Well, I thought she was throwing um, a little acting into it, but uh, yeah, you may be right. At one point when she was doing the pleases, yeah, I think sound, it hit that, her. I, like, yeah, I heard her voice crack too. Uh, yeah. Right, because um, it's this is this is a human being we're talking about here, yeah. uh, and no remorse. And that's why I said I think I'm just getting to let people know what I feel about the case. Like I'm sure people want to know. Um, like I think it should be murder one, and I agree with the judges. Uh, what she saw, 
I, I saw the same thing. So I'm just laying this all out so we can see when I start talking about emotions later in the case, mm-hmm. I mean, later in the story, uh, we understand why people were so charged up. I'm well, not making an excuse. No, no, just, no, no. And, and I think it's really good for you to show the judge Janine in particular, uh, her position in the media. Uh, now as a judge, you'd think you'd mm-hmm. hope she'd be impartial. And, and I, I don't know her record. I've never really looked into it. Um, but this is definitely not, you're so right. It's definitely not a, uh, a Fox news type of story or type mm-hmm. of uh, discussion or lead in. It's, I think it's quite unique. Unique indeed. Uh, So I think we can get into the fifth and final clip from the judge. Folks, this is not just recklessness. This is not just depraved indifference to human life. This is not just an intentional murder. This is premeditated murder one. Chauvin was reminded over and over again that he was snuffing the life out of George Floyd. He was reminded by George Floyd begging and wailing for his life. He was reminded by the witnesses and passersby. He was reminded as he felt the life of George Floyd being expelled under his knee. This is not a man who didn't comprehend or understand the depravity. Again and again, he was called upon to stop, to check, to roll him off his back, to check his pulse, to see that his nose was bleeding, to put him in the car. At every one of these points, his attention was drawn to what he was doing and he had a chance to stop. Every one of these alerts was a trigger that alerted him to the consequences of his actions and was a point of premeditation after which he made the conscious decision to continue. Yeah, well, I think she makes the case right there. And, and you know, I, of course, I saw the, the full video. I watched it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that she went through that, it is... Uh, the lack of response from Chauvin and the other officers when people were saying that, that was odd. That was really mm-hmm. odd. Very odd. I'm not a cop, man, so I, seemed... I, I don't know what it's like on the streets. I have no and, idea. Right. We're talking about just on the human level. Yeah, sure. <laughs> on the human level, totally, totally <laughs> fucked up. At one point, you have, you have a thing called mercy. And when you have a person down... You would assume mercy would kick in, <laughs> the, the person subdued. But I don't want to try. I don't want to try that. On yeah, t- today. We, and there's a lot of stuff we don't know about their relationship and all kinds of stuff we just don't. It's know. a lot. Trust me, this will be covered in full in the same manner as Both and John as soon as the case is over. All right. I want to jump ahead now. That was at. Nine eight eight nine o'clock uh, on Monday night. Mm-hmm. This next clip comes from Tuesday morning at six forty five a.m. and this is the mayor um, Jacob Fry mm-hmm. uh, giving his emotional uh, explanation of what happened and where the case is. For the better part of the night, I've been trying to dis- find the words to describe what happened. And all I keep coming back to is that he should not have died. What we saw was horrible, completely and utterly messed up. 
This man's life matters. He matters. He was someone's son. Someone's family member. He was someone's friend. He was a human being and his life mattered. I, <laughs> I of course, I saw this. I, I, I watched that full statement. Didn't I was probably too much in shock for it to register at the time, but I get it now. Slip it in four times, Jacob. From eight, from 8 o'clock Monday night to 6 a.m., somebody had contacted him. From the faction we know as Black Lives Matters, or there was there was at least a meeting about this uh, statement he was going to give. That didn't just he didn't. He, no mayor goes out and just gives a statement without talking to somebody. Correct, but the fact that he used that word three or four times. Oh yeah, no, that was just, clear. just in his clip. Just in his clip. Yeah, he was. Now the, the speech he was, was longer than this. Yeah, you know, he was. He was told. He was told you better add that part in. Let me just see that whole clip in total was fifty three seconds. You take out the pauses, twenty. And he dropped three matters in there. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. He did. Six forty-five in the morning, mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, after the man died at nine o'clock that night. The fix was Monday in. Night. The fix was in. I'm, I hear you. <laughs> no, it, it, it's obvious that I mean, for someone to say that's the first thing he said. He didn't say he was a human being or a citizen or anything like that. He mattered. His life mattered. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. We're gonna we're gonna go back to NBC News now, and mm-hmm. they're gonna give us an update on the timeline. On Tuesday, May 26th, the Minneapolis Police Department releases a statement saying Floyd physically resisted officers. What we saw was horrible. This man's life matters. The mayor announces all four <laughs> officers involved in the arrest have been fired, and the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and the FBI announced they will also be investigating the arrest. Do it again. To be clear, the Department of Justice has made the investigation, in this case, a top priority. Hundreds of people gather in Minneapolis on Tuesday night to decry the death of Floyd. Police officers in riot gear fire rubber bullets at the crowd. Wow, so the only piece they put into the mayor is his life mattered. Mm. Yes. Well, so at this, whether someone... Ahead. so Having worked in television, uh-huh. the, now MTV News was not the same as NBC News, but really, was it that different when you listen to this? Um, that is something that an editor will be like, okay, what is what what does he really say? And the and every everyone's on board. Every everyone is already thinking Black Lives Matter. Uh and and, and so it could include the chanting chanting as well. I couldn't make out the chanting, but Yeah, no, it, I we know exactly what it was meant to be. Right? That was pretty much a Black Lives Matter edit and the person who put it together had that in mind because that's why you put those pieces together that way. Doesn't mean someone held a gun to their head to do it. But that's the environment of NBC News, I'm sure. They're all in on it, Adam. <laughs> they are. All... <laughs> but, what I, but what I'm saying is having work. I just want people to understand because you're right. But it, it, you have, the credibility of why it's right is, is, is something to be understood because most people will say, oh, yeah. So everyone in the organization is all on board with this. Well, yeah, it's exactly like that because you, you just get the orders 
and it comes down through the line producer, the executive producer, the line producer, to the floor producer, to the associate producer, and it's there. It's in the script, mm-hmm. and it's the way it goes. And and you don't question it because that is just your truth at that moment. I, I guess I want to say they're not evil people doing this stuff. That's their truth. They've been mind con- they are mind controlled in the environment. It's very very normal in media. Record companies, radio stations, it's how it works. Just want people to know I, that's why they're all in. They're not all in on some secret conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> not knowing. No, uh, Mo, I'm telling you, not knowingly. Not no, knowingly. I, 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 no, I know not knowingly, but their job is to cast spells from my perspective. This yeah, is my course, perspective. But they're the wand. They're not the, the sorcerer. Of course, of, co- of course. I'm just saying that. They're casting this spell of now we're into Tuesday night. The cops are fired, but not charged yet. And this guy, uh, Jacob Fry, is super sympathetic to to the Black Lives Matter cause. Oh, yeah, totally. But but no charges. Tuesday night, no charges. Well, no, we need to ratchet this shit up. Let's get something sparked, ladies and gentlemen. There's no doubt about, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, it, it can't just be incompetence. I'm glad you 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 picking up what I'm putting down. So now we have to go back. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, just one other thing. Very early uh-huh. on, because I'm just remembering stuff. Very early on, there were a couple interviews with Elon Omar, who was saying things like, "Well, uh, we really we," she said, "we really just wanted to you know protest what's going on, what's been going on in our city for a long time in our in our police departments because her people, her whatever whatever groups she." motivated instigated maybe controlled they were a part mm-hmm. of the early black what what i don't know if they were black lives matter specifically but she as much as admitted that she had groups out there doing stuff as well so the the coordination was happening very early on and this is this is phase one mm-hmm. uh, now i'm going to explain people phase one phase one is uh, matter of fact let me let me just i went and looked up this thing of stages of a riot so at first you have the explosion or initiation what happened on the street on monday night was the explosion explosion sure after the explosion happened then comes the first wave of protesters they're non-violent but they bring it like you like you were saying she had people in the streets they draw attention to the problem. Do you want to now, hear? If they do, were to chart, do, do you want to hear Clipper first saying that real quick? Please. Okay, got it here. I think here we go. It's really heartbreaking to watch what took place last night and what continues to happen. You know, to watch our city burn um, really is one of the most devastating things that has happened to us. Uh, it's also devastating to know the anger and the frustration that people feel. Um, and and have it be uh, really evolve in into a situation that is dangerous for for everyone. Minneapolis has time and time again um, been faced with situations like this, uh, and there have been leaders who have organized these protests who have been part of creating a safety plan. There it is. Uh, and because the dynamic is different with this public health crisis, there is a void. Uh, and I'm asking for the community to step up to help us 
figure out how to organize together uh, a more peaceful protest that has safety nets in place. Yeah, so the way I interpret that, because she's she's uh, slippery, is her groups mm-hmm. had safety nets in place and it got out of control. That's how I read that when I heard that the first time. Well, now that you played that, that reminds me of giving giving people space to riot. Well, yeah, there you go. From Baltimore. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, now that space is usually a black neighborhood, but well, I mean, they're going to give them a space to riot. <laughs> hey, it's a space. Don't give them a space to riot. <laughs> what are you complaining? It's a space. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, you know, in the beginning, uh, a lot of the troublemakers were Somalis. Now, this whole black. Right. True, but we haven't got to that point yet. We're yeah. still we're still nonviolent. We're no. just in the streets. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how the first wave works. I'm, I'm jumping it's, ahead it's to, not, to the good parts. It, <laughs> right. But, but you, I want people to understand these things happen strategically in waves to conflate the terms protest with riot. Oh, yes. And I want yes. people to be, to be careful when you say, oh, yeah, they were protesting, they were breaking in. Will- no, no, that's no, called a that's riot. rioting. Yes, very different, for sure. <laughs> we have to start conflating these two terms, but the way they stage it is quite easily, it's quite easy to do because now we're still at the point Tuesday night. It was pretty calm, but, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter had their boots on the ground. What we have to do now is go back and read reestablish the definition of who black lives matter really is yes and we covered this in detail in show number seven seven that's I right have, that's right yeah, i looked it up i, I, I looked it up too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i have three clips from show number seven so we can clearly define who and what black lives matter is and let's go ahead and get into number 10 so while they tweeting, they playing cat and mouse with the white folks. You know, they racist. They hiding behind fake pages on Twitter talking shit, going back and forth, retweets, retweets. It's like a big-ass show. You know, so you got a lot of people sending them money, turning them into stars. Oprah tweeting at her and all that. They calling her fucking the face of Ferguson. Don't nobody know who the fuck she is. She ain't the face of shit. Wasn't even out there. When she came out there, she just sat there and tweeted. Like, what you do for the face of Twitter? That's what I call them. But anyways, man, a lot of people don't understand Black Lives Matter as an organization. They think it's just a hashtag and people just saying, man, anytime white folks are part of it, they putting it in the media, something behind it. Believe that. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. So that's King D, Darren Seals. Darren Seals, mm-hmm who tragically ended up dead in a burn-up car in Ferguson. And he was one of the guys that with a, actually with, was from With Ferguson. a bullet in his head, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was one of the guys actually from Ferguson that they came in and, like, uprooted with the Black Lives Matter movement. And as, as he said, it's an organization. It's not a hashtag. But we've gone back into this kind of a psychosis of thinking it's a hashtag this is an actual organization yeah with with the uh, irs uh, filings and everything well let's get into another clip and this is from Lar jamar um a former rapper from the um uh people are killed me um not lords underground but uh, anyway i digress um he's gonna give us his perspective on black lives matter 
I don't know. I just thought that was weird shit. And I'm not no Black Lives Matter supporter. Like, You're not? You know, no, absolutely. Why not? Because it's not our movement. This is a movement that was given to us by, you know, George Soros and his fucking boys. Um <laughs> Because they saw how things were going and they didn't want it to go back to the 60s to where we start having our own organic movements. That was a big fucking problem for them. So let's give the people of movement that we can control. We'll provide them the leaders and all of this type of shit. And um, yeah, that's what Black Lives Matter is. Look at the leaders of Black Lives Matter. Are there leaders of oh, Black yeah. Lives Matter? Yeah. Who? Look at these lesbian women <laughs> who are trying to incorporate, you know, LG, whatever the fuck the letters are, incorporate those, their concerns into black people's concerns. Oh, that's right. Go to the website. Look it up. Yes. People need to listen to episode seven again if you want to hear all that. Brand Nubian mm-hmm. was the... Brand, I, you beat me to it. Now now you, now you, my career is going to be ruined. Well, I mean, I, I, I should have been able to spit it out because I was kind of in uh, in media those days. I should have known. Right. Slow down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, the, that's my favorite, one of my favorite songs. I don't know why I was going to say Lord's <laughs> Underground, but um, I digress again, but I'm sure people are saying, well, Mo, that's two black males, and they sound like they're women hating and, you know, hating well, he, against he, certain he, communities. He, he did throw out George Soros right away. That, too. Well, let's go over to Mr. Dave Pakman, a liberal uh, commentator, on, popular liberal commentator on YouTube, and let him explain what he thinks Black Lives Matter is. And I have a very, very uh, specific idea that we need to explore seriously, which is that the anti-Bernie Sanders tinge of the Black Lives Matter movement recently could be George Soros-funded AstroTurf. And I will speak as specifically (laughs) as possible, Lewis, and then I will allow you, Lewis, to tell me what you think about this. Uh, It's widely on record. That George Soros, the liberal billionaire, has poured a ton of money into two movements that were instrumental in creating Black Lives Matter and the buzzword. Dating back to January, we knew that George Soros spent over $30 million bankrolling Ferguson demonstrators. And of course, Ferguson relates to Officer Darren Wilson, who killed unarmed teenager Michael Brown and was ultimately not charged. This includes support by George Soros of groups like Color Lines News for Action, Organization for Black Struggle, which established itself then established the Hands Up Coalition. Soros also gave money to the Drug Policy Alliance, which worked on pushing Black Lives Matter as a buzzword, which has since been incorporated into speeches by political figures, including Hillary Clinton. I don't know if you um, if you caught it or if you had had the clip. Soros actually mm-hmm. came out and said that he, uh, he first time ever he said I am I am not responsible for financing these groups. Dang what the money trail says. So <laughs> <laughs> we do have receipts, George. Just letting you know, got a whole shoebox full of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people, every time you hear this term. In the news from now on, here, Black Lives Matter, brought to you by George Soros. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) The more you know. Yeah, so I want people to clearly, now that we understand who's there. So now we have Black Lives Matter. They're on the ground. Uh, They're 
chanting. They're calling for justice, you know. But justice is moving awfully slow. I don't, I don't understand how long it takes with this all this video that came out. Well, it's all about timing. We got to get justice done around, uh, you know, election time, I presume. I would guess so, <laughs> but or it's not hot enough yet. It's not ready. It, it, you know, the cake ain't done baking yet. Right. Who, um, who are you gonna so, call? Well, we got to bring in Reverend Al <laughs> and the grassroots leaders that welcomed us here today. Yesterday, we spoke with the brothers and cousins of Brother Floyd, and we said to them, in order to make an arrest, all you need, brother, please, we're here to do press. Don't block press, please. We're here to get a message out. How's my hair looking? Give me some makeup. So we wanted to come here first and give our respect. We will be back for the memorial services and the funeral. The family has asked us to speak. They're going to do memorial services probably here and in Houston, where he was uh, raised. He was born in North Carolina. We're going to be with them the whole way. Attorney Ben Crump, where we have won cases together. If we stand with him, we stand with these grassroots ministers. Now, do you think do you think Crump is a, a full associate of Al's, or is he just picking up scraps at this point? Is Al? Oh no, Crump! Crump is, is sharing the, the loot. Oh, Crump is the guy. Yeah. Crump, Crump is the legal arm. Oh, okay, he's he's Al's uh, the legal muscle. Yeah, Sharpton is the mouthpiece for the media. And by the Crump way, is, don't get away from the don't block the media. We're here to get a message. Yeah, yeah out. We, move we, away. We're here for the press. <laughs> always, Don't block the press. We're always, here for the press. <laughs> always producing that owl. Yeah, yeah. He's good. <laughs> but as I listen to this, him talk for maybe like seven minutes, something didn't come up that I expected it to come up. Uh, hmm. But Al has brushed up on his skills. Like they say, uh, they, you know that saying, an uh, 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 old dog can't learn new tricks. Well, he's well co- I bet they differ. <laughs> he's come a long way since Tawana Raleigh. Yeah. Well, he's evolved from uh, uh, the other cases from 2016, 2015 time. Yeah. But he's become more crafty. And in this next clip, he doesn't say it, but I'm sure he nudged someone else to say what I thought was missing from out of his mouth. Because in my case, it took five years, five years just to fire one officer. And it would not have happened if I wouldn't have kept pressing on after the federal government said that they wasn't going forward. We all have to get out and stand together. And we don't have to do it violently. We can do it politically. Yes, we can. What do we want? It's coming up. Don't sit around and say, my vote don't count. <laughs> we put these politicians in, wow. and we can take them out. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, my goodness. Very so this slick. Is Garner, yeah, very slick. This is Garner's mother, the guy that I can't breathe. Yeah. Well, part, yeah. part one in New York. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. Al's got smart enough to say, I can't tell you to go vote. But this this but this poor mother can. He rolled her right out after he got done, gave her the microphone, and she took it right there. Also, she brought up a point. She said the federal government, you know, wouldn't you no know, press charges for my son. 
Well, I wonder who was president at that time. Oh, uh, Barry? Yeah, Barry. Barry was <laughs> president and she got no justice for him. And that's, that irks me because it's like, if voting worked and you had a president in and you had, you know, the whole, um, I think Loretta Lynch was the, uh, running the Justice Department she at was the time. The, yes, she was the Attorney General. Right. Attorney General. You couldn't get charges, not even a conviction, but you couldn't get charges for Eric Garner? Come on, knock it off. Um, but as we see here, now we have boots on the ground, BM, BLM boots on the ground, mm-hmm. and we have uh, we have a um, Al Sharpton boots on the ground. And I want to make one point, just just a small, tiny point. If you notice, Starbucks now has let their employees wear Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it was a little controversy uh, for half a second, and we knew that would uh-huh. that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be stopped. Get guess what else they get to wear? Pride, no justice, no peace. <laughs> okay, Al said, "I need some of that action." You know, say, y'all can't get all the all the action, you know, the Starbucks action. So, so you he, know, that's his catch. He, he put a, he, he put a little side uh, side side waiver in there for for his button. Right, because mm-hmm. that's that. No justice, no peace. Is his yeah, that's thing. His, mm-hmm. I noticed that when I heard it on the news, but I'm, I'm just pointing that out to people. And, and, we, and we should probably yeah. remind people that uh, Al Sharpton has a business model. Not mm-hmm. not everyone has heard every episode. Al Sharpton's business model, uh, in general, is to um, pick something up, some controversy, make a big media storm out of it, and stand in front of your company's building or whatever is under attack until you make some kind of financial contribution to his Rainbow Action Network or whatever whatever he's he's pushing. That's it, right? Rainbow is that his thing? I think. Is the coalition? No, that's the some action network. No, it's yeah. some action network. Action network. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His action. Same, network. same, same models. The yeah. Same model. Different CEO. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, that's and Jesse Jackson's operation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, Jesse, the he, he learned it from Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson kind of passed on the baton, mm-hmm. and Al's been doing this uh, well since I was living in New York in the late eighties. Yes. So. Now we have the boots on the ground and everybody's getting charged up. Well, I have a, a set of clips here from a frequent uh, person that we cover on the show, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And he's going to tell us about politics. <laughs> Kennedy's new approach was uh, pretending to go along with, with us in our struggle for civil rights and different other forms of rights. But I remember the expose that Look Magazine did on the on Meredith's situation in Mississippi. Look Magazine did an expose showing that Robert Kennedy and Governor Wallace, not Governor Wallace, Governor Barnett, had made a deal wherein, wherein uh, the, the Attorney General was going to come down and try and force Meredith into school, and, and Barnett was going to stand at the door, you know, and say, no, you can't come in, and he was going to get in anyway. But it was all arranged in advance. And then Barnett was supposed to keep the support of the white racists because that's who he's holding up. And Kennedy would keep the support of the Negroes because that's who he'd be holding up. And I say that's, that's, and, and it was a cut and dried deal. And it's not a secret. It was written. They write about it. Funny now, if that's a deal and that's a deal, how many other deals do you think go down? <laughs> yeah, one thing I've noticed 
Um, I even played a Malcolm X clip, uh, probably one you're going to play, um, mm-hmm. on No Agenda. And so many people emailed me and said, oh, man, we didn't get any Malcolm X at school. It was all Martin Luther King. And they feel shortchanged. And I think they're right. They had to keep him suppressed because of the things that he... I played on this show. Mm-hmm. They can't teach that in school. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's labeled as a, a hate monger. Now, he he did have some points that were... Um, controversial. Uh, controversial and even... Um, may trigger some people. I'm, I'm not... I won't, I won't gloss that over. But he also evolved in some ways as well over the span of his life. And I just want to say one thing about Malcolm X. Another reason why they won't teach Malcolm X is this. He only had a short span of life where he was a political leader. Yeah, in the picture. True. But he showed how quickly you can change yourself around Mm -hmm. from being a detriment to your community, his words, to being a... An asset. And not even an asset, but a almost a profit. Uh, because the things that we covered in this show previous or his clips, it sounds like it's from today. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's the best part. That's why people say it. Like, holy crap, this guy was saying this when, and I had to listen to Martin Luther King all the time. We had, I had a dream. Right. That's, so that's it, all we got. He's very, well. That's that's a control mechanism, as you're going to hear. Mm, I mean, no as I, I alluded to before, because that is the purpose of the product of MLK. Now we always got to talk about the man versus the product. And yep. we cover that in, uh, in detail in, in, in the MLK show that we did. Uh, now let's continue on because Malcolm X is going to give us more education on the difference between liberals and conservatives. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more <laughs> hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. And the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism. Do you know what year this was by any chance? I think this was 63, if I had to guess. Um, Well, he talks about pawns. And the the thing is, I know a lot of people who are new to this to this thought pattern are going to find it hard. Well, didn't we evolve? Didn't we get better since then? how can it be? Haven't we changed? And I think sadly we have to conclude, or we will conclude, no, no, it's gotten not, worse. Not at all. It's gotten cause, clandestine because power hasn't changed. Right. Yes. <laughs> Long as power hasn't changed, the people that want to wield it won't change. Uh, so he points out that black people are pawns of the liberal establishment, and we're thrown tokens. As you saw with uh, the Democrat leadership wearing the kente cloth and taking a knee. Oh, oh my which, God. I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of those things I'm like, I'm just going to call my buddy Mo and see what he thinks of this. <laughs> I wonder if he's thinking well, I, these these people represent what he's thinking. 
I told you, uh, well, I tweeted out, Donald Trump should have Kente Cloth uh, Make America Great Again hats made up <laughs> <and> to, to, <laughs> troll, <laughs> to troll the Democrats. Oh, I missed that, he, that tweet. A, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it actually, this is how great our uh, producers are. I tweeted that out, and then somebody sent an actual hat no. <laughs> back with the MAGA, <laughs> with MAGA on it with the Kente cloth. So our listeners and producers are amazing. I mean, of it was course. like a matter of minutes. That's the I'm best. I'm like, how did that happen? Um, so if you go to my Twitter, you'll see it. Oh, that's great. Um, that's funny. So we have the ponds, and I don't say this disrespectfully, but a lot of the people don't really know what's going on, and they're out in the streets because they saw injustice. I'm not saying that they are, but it's the leadership that's controlling them and manipulating them through mental manipulation that they get in formation. I I bring you a word from my side of the street. And when I say Mm -hmm. that, I mean millennial white girls uh, who protested in Austin. Their heart is in the right place. It really is. But it's disturbing uh, what they believe is going on. Um, there was, and I, I wasn't really, I didn't, you know, overhear stuff. I'm just listening, maybe prodding along to see what conversation ensues. And that's, I think Sean King, someone came up, someone who, uh, you and I would say is passing, (laughs) passing. And, but the thing is, what was, what I heard say was, well, he's, no, he's, he passes. He has no problems. And and I was like, wow, do you, can you imagine what it's like maybe to be, you know, African-American, ADOS, uh, mixed race, passing, confused, what's my identity? But no, it was considered, they considered that to be, nah, he he has no issues. And I was like, wow. Go ahead. It's for the greater good. That's that's their mindset. It's for the greater good because we got to get rid of Orange, a.k.a. 45 Savage. Well, but but for them, yeah, 45 was not really in their mind. No, nor Joe Biden, by the way. They are apolitical. That's that's the, the, the ones that I'm talking about. Really not interested in the political, I, I, truly. I understand what you're going to say. I'm just saying in their hearts, yeah. they mean really fucking well. They are completely and surprisingly underinformed really really and and, and where we, so much so mo that i was where like where would you get good information from well of course <laughs> where would you get good information from so i but i was kind of happy because i'm mm-hmm. like they're not radicalized they're just idiots mm-hmm. that's all true <laughs> it's like, but that's good news because that means their minds can be adjusted they have not been cont- now i'm not talking about all of them just some that I saw. And I, I was just shocked, shocked at what they thought was the right thing to do. And it's completely misinformed. And obviously we know why, because we're listening to a lot of it, not this particular part, but we're hearing all of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so they're, what they're hearing is just what they get from mainstream media yeah. and they digest it. And that's why I didn't give the media and I, and even some of the media members hearts are in the right place sure but like as you said but they're being steered by well, a very oh, oh. small group of people it's it's so i, I just i just got to get this out it's so easy because right. the white guilt we've talked about white fragility and white guilt 
Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. a trigger that has been pounded into my head since, you know, I can remember. Everyone's the same. It's not about skin color. And then when someone is, when the media or authority figures are telling you, they're doing this because of their skin color, that triggers shit way down deep inside. This is wrong. This is fun. I was taught this growing up fundamentally wrong. So you respond to a programming that is not applicable to the issue at hand. And that's not just uh, exclusive to white people. No, and we're no, of course not. No, of yeah. course not. Of course no. not. No, it's evil. So though. we're going to get this. Yeah, it's very evil, and that's why I re- uh, rail against it because it's mental abuse. Yes, we it have is. to call it what it is. When I say trauma-based entertainment, that's abuse. Yeah. That's a form of abuse. Uh, but this is how they get their rank and file. Uh, this is the first rank and file. So it's like. Let's have the pawns go out first. Yeah. And then the second wave comes behind them. And then there's another wave behind them. It's this that's why all of this is orchestrated chaos. And it's right from the playbook. Yes, it's from the playbook. And Malcolm X is in his last a final clip is gonna tell you one of the major groups that's running the playbook. It is easy to see why the presidential candidates of both political parties put on such a false show with the civil rights bill and promises of integration. They must impress the three million voting Negroes who are the actual integration seekers. And if so much fuss is made over these three million integration seekers, What would the presidential candidates have to do to appease the 8 million non-voting Negroes if they ever decided to become politically active? They hold the balance of power. (laughs) Who are the 8 million non-voting Negroes? What do they want? And why don't they vote? The 3 million uh, Negro uh, Negro voters are the so-called middle-class Negroes or high-class Negroes or uppity Negroes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> hmm. I had this clip in my head and I was listening to the No Agenda show yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and you played a set of clips that I didn't have my hands on. Yeah. And I was like, this aligns perfectly. <laughs> this is why I say he's a prophet. I don't mean in a uh, spiritual sense, maybe, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying from a point of he says things that are so pertinent to today. It's like he's speaking from a time machine. <laughs> yes. uh, and the clips that you played are Mr. Bob Woodson. Would you like to, before we get in the clip, would you like to Add something to it before we play the clip. Uh, well, no. Well, Bob Woodson, uh, I didn't know he's he's been around for a long time. He, he so I don't know if he was what we they would call quote unquote a civil rights leader, but he he, mm-hmm. he I know he says he left the civil. He's like around eighty, so he's been around long enough. He left the civil rights movement. He was so disgusted right. with what was going on, uh, which and so that always perks uh, you know, get my my gets my ears perked up. And he, mm-hmm. um, there's this podcast series, The American Thought Leaders, and he was on for an hour. 
and I was just listening to him and and you know honestly I'm tuned now I'm much more in tune with with uh, with stuff and I hear him like oh my god this is my guy this is our guy right here he's saying <laughs> it all and he's nailing it boom 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 so I had to clip it for the no agenda show I'm, I'm glad that you feel they're worthy for the mo facts uh and it fits yeah it does fit <laughs> it fits, it fits perfect. perfectly with the last clip from malcolm x so let's jump right into it yeah and this is um about uh, institutional racism systemic racism uh mm-hmm. which is just a beautiful you just had a beautiful little bit about this in this uh interview first of all you cannot generalize about the black community anymore any other people we're not monolithic we have difference in education, difference in income, and when it's convenient, we generalize the black community, and we use the demographics of those who are living in the most troubling situations. We use the demographics of, the, uh, of incarceration, of low-income uh, housing. We use that demographic information to make a case that all blacks are suffering. And then when the money arrives, it goes not to the people suffering the problem, but those who are providing service. For instance, in the last 50 years, the government spent $22 trillion on programs to aid the poor. 70 cents of all those dollars go not to the poor, but those who serve poor people. They ask not which problems are solvable, but which ones are fundable. Then you have black elected officials. Many of them were veterans of the civil rights movement who then came into political office. They were the ones who were dispensing those funds. And listen to this. Two out of 10 whites who with college degrees works for government. Six out of 10 blacks with college education works for government, which means that the vast amount of money that has been spent on the poor that has produced and reinforced dependency have been administered by a lot of middle class blacks. And I really like this clip because it shows what uh, you took, you know, an entire two hours to get through to my thick skull is that this truly (laughs) is about class nepotism class bloodlines if you want but not it is really not about skin color and we had a small uh aside after the show uh when we was wrapping up about one of the clips from the last show where the woman was perceived to be a white woman and as soon as they understood her class or color i wouldn't say color but that she was from a black neighborhood it instantly changed. Yep. <laughs> it's instantly, magic. magic. Yep. She didn't change. Her color, nope. her shade, Nothing her complexion, there. pigment nope. changed. Nope. It's just how she was perceived. But mm-hmm. I'm going to reel it back in. These are the uppity Negroes that Malcolm X was talking about in the previous clip. They go out. They use the rank and file. They use the poor. They abuse them. And then they collect money in their name and it never makes it down, which this sounds a lot like trickle down economics. I mean, well, <laughs> no, you think about it. I'll put some, I'll put some nuance in it from um, mm-hmm. from the nonprofit world, um, and I think homelessness fits into this a little bit. And I've looked at all these different uh, scenarios. The problem is when you have civil servants, certainly at a city level, boots on the ground, uh, and it is their job to uh, help people. Uh, d- uh, poor, disadvantaged people, and there's budgets coming in, and let's say that you know a small nonprofit, and there's oh, 
tens, hundreds of thousands of small nonprofits. I mean, we're talking 200 grand to a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a lot of people. You don't have a lot of people working, but you're taking care of stuff. Um, that is your livelihood. So, you know, you have a, a balance sheet, you have a salary, you've got a little pension, you've got your benefits, you have a couple other people, you've got lots of volunteers. And then you have, and this is what I, when I started to notice it, you didn't have uh, homeless people or people experiencing homelessness or unwed mothers. No, no. They had clients. And you'll see in the literature of all of these nonprofits, yes, well, our clients. So they treat them like clients, which means you always want to grow the client base. And, you know, every organization that helps people, ultimately, you know, the goal could be, well, we want to make sure there's no poverty or no whatever it is, and then we wouldn't exist. But that never happens. It keeps growing. And so just like... Police departments. Say that one more time. Say that that last couple of sentences you said again. The nature of any organization is to grow. That is it's, it's the bottom line. If there's money in it, for sure. It's, it, it is, it's Darwinism almost. So you want to grow the client base. You want to treat the clients well. And it's like, it's, it's just like pharma, like hospitals. They don't actually, pharma, pharmaceuticals, they don't actually want to cure you. They want to treat you forever. So um, in the political, and, and I think term limits would help a lot in, uh, in mm-hmm. this situation, you get the Elijah Cummings of the world, but also and just the same, and Nancy Pelosi's probably a million times worse, and they've been in there forever, and, and believe me, Nancy Pelosi believes that she is doing God's work because she's insane and has, is, does not live in on the same reality plane. I know, because I know these people. I've been around them particularly when there's you know she's got 300 million dollars mm-hmm. these people live on a different level <laughs> they do, she just lives on a different level no, they they do and like you said it's it, it's all about expansion it's and always if you're about to growing expand, the base yep you can't have black people have upper mobility that's bad for that business shrinks, if you're the NAA- that shrinks the business <laughs> aclu naacp you name your alphabets it's bad for business and these are the ones collecting all this corporate money that's being shelled or that's being, you know, passed around now. I, I, uh, I, I did a quick, I'm just, I'm just going to interject. I did a quick um, mm-hmm. look up on the Austin Justice Coalition. Big deal here in Austin. Oh, AG, AJC, Austin Justice Coalition. I'm like, okay. You know, I've been asked, you know, come eat at a restaurant. We give money to Austin Justice. Buy this wine. You get, okay, all right, I'll take a look. Now, I I I always love supporting organizations. I do always check their form nine ninety, and I pull it up and I take a look. I'm like, well, they haven't even filed for twenty eighteen, let alone twenty nineteen. That's always a small flag for me. Mm-hmm. If you don't do your taxes, and so I emailed them, <laughs> and I got an email back, and it was some kind of fuzzy story. Like, well, we operate under the auspices of uh, Texas uh, Texas First Project. Uh, Anyway, so I looked that out. Mind your up. business, Curry. That's yeah. what it said. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, it's exactly what it said, actually. If, I'd be happy to give the details of our arrangement with them to people who need that information. We're like, shut up, go away, Curry. Uh, so it's another nonprofit. And they are not specifically Black Lives Matter or for black at all. They're about prison reform. Now, is 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 Black Lives Matter a part of that? Arguably, Yes. But it, it's not it's not for supporting Black Lives Matter and Black Lives in Austin, Texas. 
let's not forget the Soros sisters and how they play into the, the criminal justice system. I mean, he has his hands in everything. He's dabbling, dibbling and dabbling in everything. My feeling, though, he's uh-huh. he's not the master. No, 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 no. He's the... He's, he's not the guy that just, he's not even the guy. I let, think he's an agent ex- of the people. Let me explain to you how I look at Soros. Soros is the guy that drew the short straw. It's like <laughs> all of them got together. It's like, <laughs> you're going to do it, George. <laughs> who's going to who's going to be the face of uh, you know uh, right. taking over the uh, globalism? It's like they drew, and it's like oh damn it, well it's Soros. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, no, it's more like this. Hey man, let's let's make Soros do it. I don't want to deal with that shit. So have Soros do it. <laughs> he looks the part. <laughs> he did that World War II shit. Let him do this one too. He knows how to do it. So yeah, I, I don't think it's, um, and that's what people have to understand. This is a web of multiple different and decades, uh, decades, decades, yes. decades of institutional. I'll say it: systemic racism. Also known as white supremacy in the in the actual definition of the word. Thank you. Not not this um, manipulated uh, sense of the word that people are using now. But let's get back on track because we still got boots on the ground. But I'm just explaining we're still peaceful in the storyline. <laughs> uh, but we know who's manipulating the people out on the front line, and that we always, as we say, we shouldn't get mad. And this is where people go left. Everybody that's out there chanting Black Lives Matter is not part of the organization. And that's the beauty of how it works yeah. is, is they hide behind, and I use this word as sensitive as possible, the pawns. It's get the pawns out there. They're chanting. They're charged up. They believe in what they're, they're actually saying. They do. But, but they have a role <laughs> for them, mm-hmm. and that's to be... The cover, you know, like, you know, in any criminal organization, you got to have a guy that's clean uh, <laughs> and, and they're the clean guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're the... <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's wrap up with Bob Woodson and then we're going to get further into the story. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is basically what we were just discussing. He taps into here about uh, white guilt being a, a large part of this as right. instruments of institutional racism. They don't live in those communities that are suffering the problem. Their children are not in the foster care system. And so you have an unfortunate situation where middle class, uh, I call them grievance-oriented, middle class, privileged elites, are the ones on television shaking their fists, claiming that America is incurably racist. And they are preying on the guilt of white Americans who are writing checks to them. So they are personally enriching themselves and their organizations in the name of, of, of champions of social justice. And they are taking money in the name of uh, uh, addressing an injustice. But the people will, uh, who are going to suffer from this arrangement will be the people in those communities. Yep. Exactly. All right. So now we we've defined who the pawns are, and we've defined who's the hand moving the pawns on the chessboard. Yep. Now we have to get back to the timeline because this is where it starts to shift from being nonviolent protest 
Uh, peace, something peaceful different. protest moments. Peaceful, 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 peaceful protest as well. That we peaceful. were told it was peaceful. <laughs> over and over again, yes. Peace, well, it is still peaceful, actually, until this point. By Wednesday, as protests spread nationwide, George Floyd's sister, Bridget Floyd, calls for justice. I would like for those officers to be charged with murder. By Thursday, new video reveals that three officers were on top of Floyd during the arrest. Governor Tim Waltz activates the National Guard. On the third night of protests, crowds gather outside the 3rd Police Precinct in downtown Minneapolis. The standoff soon spirals out of control, with officers evacuating the police station just after 10 p.m. local time as protesters enter the building. The police precinct, as well as several buildings in the surrounding neighborhood, are lit on fire. Several businesses are looted. This this smoke shop, then there's a liquor shop, then there's the street, and the police station is right across the road. So we're 500 feet from the front of the police station. There are fires burning in different directions around me. There's another fire over there. Yeah, a police precinct that gives up their station, I think, is a new one. It may be new for the history books. And here comes the second wave. Yep. Yeah, I'm down with that. You have the peaceful protesters. And here comes the troublemakers. Rioters. Mm-hmm. The, well, pro, the, the agent provocateurs. That's what, that's what they are. They broke, yep. busted windows. Well, we, set we, fires. we see videos of people just walking past windows of like a Wendy's and just with a hammer, just psh, one, psh, one, psh, one window after another. Disgusting. Not, but not looting. But not no, looting. no, 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 no. It's just breaking stuff. Completely dressed in black, just smashing a window. Not even looting. Just walking. Oh, the Wendy's. It was a, it was, and I saw one with an auto zone as well. Same they, thing. They, they, yeah. were, they were doing the same thing. This guy had like a. He was. It was weird. He had like a black umbrella. And yeah, all yeah, black. I was like, well, the umbrella. <laughs> the, the you know what the umbrella is for? He was so professional. The umbrella is so that he doesn't get glass shards on him. That's why. Oh, I didn't even think. Oh, this, wow, this, this, this was a everything. motherfucking pro, man. This was a pro. <laughs> I looked at him like, holy shit, the guy's got an umbrella. He knows he knows what he's doing. You smash the window with a hammer, make sure you don't get any glass cuts. So let's explain to people what's really going on here. First wave, peaceful, peaceful protesters, Black Lives Matters, Action Network, boots on the ground, calling for justice. Sounds totally organic to me. Then you have the political structure. <laughs> you have the political structure in Minneapolis dragging their feet, crying, falling apart, not even knowing what to do, not speaking for hours. They're crying, but at the same time, no charges come. No, at all. And so that, this and that is ratchets becoming it up. A, now it starts to ratchet this, up. Right. So now it's, it seems explainable. Why it goes from being nonviolent to violent, but this is complete astroturf. <laughs> this is not organic at all. No, they send in the second wave. Some people may call it Antifa, but that's kind of like Black Lives Matter. Same thing. It's it's multiple groups. Well, multiple and, groups. And there is a a side narrative which is mm-hmm. Fox, MSNBC, uh, CNN. Everybody's live. Everybody's live. All channels, same time. We've got, you know, the visuals are great. Mm-hmm. We got fire. We got smoke. We got uh, confusion. And it was it was wall to wall. I mean, this was not an, in isolation. This was around the world. This this the TV flipped on live. And 
and I was going back and forth between Fox and CNN while it was while it was live, and it was like they were living in two different worlds. Like they were both in New York, <laughs> but one guy was like, "It's mostly peaceful, you know, nothing is going around here for CNN." <laughs> I mean, and then like Fox, like they're going crazy. It's pandemonium. <laughs> Me and my wife, I'm like, you see, you see how narrative works. Yeah, and there's two and as you said, right there. Then the third wave comes in. Mm-hmm. The third wave is the criminals, straight up and down, self-serving criminals, which you don't have to organize them. They know windows are going to be open. I didn't got to bust the windows. I can go in, get what I want, and come back out. That's the third wave. This thing is laid out so beautifully. First wave, peaceful. Second wave, provocateurs, breaking windows, but not taking anything. No, no, they just, just cleared the way. Up. Cleared the way. And they cleared the way. When I, I told my wife, I said, when the sun goes down, it's going to get ugly. And as soon as it started getting dark outside, they ran through New York. I'm yeah. talking about the good parts of New York. And now this, this, and, was, this was what crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's fifth avenue all the way down fifth mm-hmm. avenue they they just everything man it's like that was also quite new this was not ripping up their own neighborhood this was fifth avenue it was unbelievable and i think this is where they lost control uh an example of that is the protest erupts outside cnn headquarters also seeing a similar scene unfolding at this hour in Atlanta, Georgia. Take a look at these uh, aerial shots that we have. This is outside CNN's world headquarters, where we're told that protesters have smashed the windows trying to enter the building. Uh, we told you moments ago about the CNN reporter who was arrested with his crew and then released in Minneapolis. We're not sure um, if there's a connection, but obviously this is all the, the the base of all this is the killing of George Floyd by a police officer in Minneapolis. We're seeing police cars getting smashed, uh, people throwing things through the windows in Atlanta, Georgia tonight as we speak. As you um, as you answer this, unbelievable. It's it's terrible. And, you know, a place like Atlanta, uh, where there's so much prosperity for African-Americans and uh, that's so rich in history in a place like that you know, to destroy your own land. That is is fighting this physically. It's fighting it in the flesh. Uh, and, and Martha, we got to get away from that. Oh, brother. Yeah. that And that that was weird. Kinda like, wait a minute. Why are they, why are they doing it to CNN? Why are they, why are they doing that to Fox News? Um. But at that point, I think you're right. It was just, it was just out of control. People were Definitely chanting against. Criminal. They were chanting against CNN, actually. Yeah, and, and because they're criminals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to call it what it is. But they use the term. This is Fox News. This is from Fox News. Protesters. Uh-huh. They, they never say rioters because no. Fox, from their angle and their their tilt, everybody's protesters. Or if you're protesting. That equals riots, mm-hmm. and I and, and and this conflation is very dangerous because when you try to have a conversation and you say, "Nah, I'm against protesting," or the pro, I'm against the protesters, but you mean the rioters, it triggers somebody else because when they say protest, they're talking about the civil rights model of nonviolent, you know, uh, uh, nonviolence, and you know. Being a problem in that sense, there, there's there's you know. another um, 
there's another element to the to the live coverage which is not often discussed because we're so used to it um mm-hmm. when i was in iraq in 2003 and i went into some of the villages with the with the detachment of course of the um in uh, samava Pro- uh, province and you'd see all these you know the people lived in uh kind of heavy duty tents or or you know smallish houses Every single one of them had a satellite dish. And what I was told later, back at the camp, it's like, well, you know what a lot of jihadis like with the CNN, they're so happy with it because they can go, you know, lob something over a fence somewhere, run back and watch it on CNN. And that feedback loop exists. And it's re and it's for mass shooters, for crazy people, and for and particularly for this type of protests yeah and people get off on it mind you a good 60 percent of everybody in every group that i saw protest or riot was there mm-hmm. to film it <laughs> everyone's up in their right. instagram it's, channel it's, 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 and like hey everybody hey guys make sure to like my video i mean it was crazy it's still happening half the people are on their phone they were creating content, Adam. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're creators. Yes, they're creators. That's right. They're actually, therefore, essential personnel and thus on the street legally, I guess. And another thing we haven't talked about is these people have been cooped up in their house for two months. Oh, yeah. They, they, so they were this ready. Is something that, yeah. And allowed to wear mask legally. It, this is this is yeah, this no, is this, the perfect storm. I was, you know, I was, I'm sorry I'm doing all this material, but... Uh, yeah. You know, both Amazon and Microsoft have said, we're not going to deliver facial recognition to any police departments for the next two months. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, no, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder why, is this, is this just virtue signaling? I thought, no, they can't deliver facial recognition for the next two months because everybody's got a mask on. It's, it's uh, useless. It's completely and useless. Think, and I think this emboldened people uh, oh, wearing a mask psychologically emboldens people. It's a well-known fact. Right. That's why we go right. crazy on Halloween. And, you know, eyes wide mm-hmm. shut, Nicole Kidman, all of that <laughs> stuff. Oh, and robbers, you know, bad people, they put it on. They feel more emboldened, can't see me. Uh, you uh, say things you might not say. Oh, it was a beautiful, perfect storm. Halloween is a perfect example because yeah. you would do things on Halloween night that you normally wouldn't do Speak any for yourself, time. Mo. Speak for yourself, Mo. Well, I'm speaking for myself because I, I may have <laughs> participated have, in okay. some shenanigans yeah, right when I was then. younger. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, let's see. So now we got to account for the bricks that's popping up. Yeah, this was <laughs> this was this was my favorite part of the sequence. One story that is continuing to alarm citizens around the country, the mysterious appearance. Get this pile of bricks literally being stationed near the sites where these protests and riots ultimately become. They're staging it. Joining us now to report on that disturbing story. He's in our West Coast Bureau tonight, our chief breaking news correspondent, Trace Gallagher. So they're literally staging weapons in a, that they're going to use that evening to throw the bricks at the cops, Trace? Is that, that how we interpret that? Because that's, that's what it looks belief. like. Yeah, that's the belief shot. I mean, you have these piles of bricks and rocks showing up, as you said, near the various protest sites in cities like New York, Kansas City, Dallas, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And none of the sites are near construction areas, leaving many to assume the bricks were planted by outside agitators specifically to stir up trouble. In fact, the New York Police Department says it has evidence that anarchist groups 
groups were pushing the protest toward violence and vandalism. Federal law enforcement officials say the violence points to far left groups like Antifa. Others say far right groups might also be involved. And many of the looters don't need to be supplied with bricks and rocks because they show up with their own tools in hand, well prepared to destroy property. Yeah, that's yeah. the third wave. Yes, that's, he's speaking it. about the third wave. We're like, oh, we got our own tools, you know. Just, <laughs> we don't just get that window out the way. Yeah, get that window out the way. Uh, it's yeah. it's the damnedest thing I ever seen. And I start seeing these 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 YouTube. I mean the um the YouTube social media of, of the uh, Yeah, the social media. Yeah, everywhere. And and it dawned on me, but nobody else said, pointed this out. But it lends to what we were talking about before: how they don't want us. When I say us, so-called black people, uh, uh, quote unquote black people, to progress because I never see damn bricks show up when we need to build something. But when it's time to tear something down, <laughs> out come the bricks. <laughs> and and they were handed to you by white girls. I saw tons of videos and and you know black women saying. Don't give, don't give a brick to a black man. What is wrong with you, white girl? <laughs> I saw that. They were riding around the mask going like, here's a brick. You want a brick? Here, kid. And again, they, they, these kids, no, they're, they're, again, they're not radicalized. They're idiots. Total idiots. Well, well, some of them that, now I, I've seen, quote unquote, Antifa. I'm, I, I don't. These terms, I mean, they mean something different because somebody might not even be an Antifa, but they have that mindset, like, oh, of being cultural Marxist. You know, yeah, you can, I, you can I, dress I, up in the garb and participate. Yeah, you know, right. you can join a meeting. Right. Get and on like, the let me go to Home Depot group. and get some bricks. Yeah, go let to me go yeah. get some bricks from Home Depot and <laughs> hand them out to and go to, to hot, black kids. Yeah, you know? go to Hot Topic and get my black hoodie, and uh, I'm good to go. Right. But if you let the left leaning uh, Media tell it. No bricks at all. It's not just bricks. Accusations are also being hurled about who was responsible for this destruction. On Monday, President Trump pushed the idea that outside agitators were behind much of the conflict. Our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, Violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. Today, the White House doubled down on that idea, going so far as to suggest activists and professional anarchists are invading our communities, staging bricks and weapons to instigate violence. That post and its accompanying video was taken down, and with good reason. This is all unfounded. This investigative researcher says that hasn't stopped mythmongers from blaming everyone, from undercover police to the far right, to Antifa to the far left, for planting bricks to goad protesters into violence. I think it's really important that people don't point fingers at this time when we don't have the fact-checking and the uh, correct information. I'll give you some information that when a white girl talks like this, she's typically full of shit. Just so you know, that's how it works. We're not going to point fingers because we don't know where the Brits came from. Even though we have video after video after video of people riding around handing people bricks. And, and, and there is a brick of choice. There yes. was a light that, gray brick. Yes, nice, that nice light gray brick. Yeah. <laughs> that was the brick of that was the desired brick. Brick for of champions. Protesting. Yes, it was. A, it was a nice brick. And uh, you know, I, I, I got all kinds of. Oh, this was. Uh, 
Uh, was it was a company owned uh, by um, Berkshire Hathaway? What's his name? Uh, Buffett. Buffett. <laughs> Acme. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> uh, no, apparently it was Buffett Bricks. <laughs> oh, that's, I got to write that down. It was war- yeah. It was Buffett Bricks. That's, well, I, apparently, I don't know. That you know what? Write that down because we might have to come around. I, I I might have something for you on that one a okay. little later in the all show. All right, all right. I got it noted. So, well, we're at the point. Atlanta's going crazy. You know, people are rioting, fires, bricks breaking, looting. Uh, it's it's pandemonium. And I want you to notice something here. At every stage in this whole thing. When you watch television, it's mostly white people in the streets. I would say maybe 60% to 30% white, non, I say non-black to black. Let me say it like that. Not just exclusively in, white. In general, yeah. Yeah. And I paid real close attention to that. Yeah. But they made black people the face of this. <laughs> uh, well, hello. <laughs> Don't we know your role? <laughs> right. <laughs> this, is, this is not new. And, and the perfect example of this is the Morehouse Spelman students uh, doing protest. Again, that body camera video uh, was what the mayor looked at and the police chief looked at, and they said they had to determine that they would have to be fired immediately for what happened. Again, this is the body cam video of the officers. They were arresting the students. They broke out the windows of the car. They used tasers. They pulled the students out of the car. It's a young man and a young woman. They're students at Spelman and Morehouse. The students are Messiah Young, shown here. His female passenger is Tanaya Pilgrim. Messiah was tased. They were both arrested. They've both since been released. Tanaya is not facing any charges. And the mayor says she's calling for the charges to be dropped against Messiah. The mayor and the police chief both apologized earlier this evening to both of these students, Jennifer. Yeah, both of them saying they were disturbed by what they saw, that video going viral. Uh, we also, early in the day, saw responses from the presidents of the AUC. That, that includes Morehouse and Spellman. A lot of mobilization on that part. I miss this. I, I, I miss this whole episode. <laughs> Did, can you give me a little more detail on uh, on these two? What, what were they uh, stopped, pulled over They were for? riding in their car and they got pulled out and uh, Messiah was tased and they were handled roughly. Hold on, hold on, um, hold on. That, I mean, it, it was, it, it was, it was yeah. just riding while dr- driving while black by being black or, or was it, were they suspicious? Tail light out? What was No, more, no, no. They, they, were, they were clean cut college looking kids. Uh, these, and these are the not literal but uh, kids of the uppity blacks. Uh-huh. This is different now. We're yeah. talking about Morehouse and Spellman. Spellman being named after uh, John uh, John D. Rockefeller's wife. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> the names the boot, are this is Morehouse, the hotbed. Morehouse, yes, yeah. Spellman. What is wrong, Spellman? Yeah, this so is the wrong kids. It's the wrong kids. These are these are the wrong kids. And guess what? Five of the six cops were black. That were you said either fired or charged. Wow. What what it was? So t- what was this? Was it just positioning, just for to to blame it on black people? No, I think the cop. Well, it, that too. But I think the cops were just overzealous, and they just it's saw two out. black kids. Tripping and out. this goes to show you: five black cops saw two black kids riding around, and they they handle them like this. Goes to back. Goes to show you: we're not talking about color here. Nope. You're, 
You're talking about I'm, class. And, and I'm not talking about from the student's point of view. I'm talking from the cop's, cop's point, point of view. view. Sure. Like, let's get those, those, but, those uppity bitches. Right. So now we have five black kids, I mean, five cops, black cops becoming the face of bad cops. <laughs> Man. <laughs> you, you, see what, you see what's going this on is here? This Emmy Award winning script. This is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, oh, excuse me, five black male cops. Yeah. Uh, uh, cisgendered. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, Careful now. That matters. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, but get them out of here. I mean, now, now they, they're they're expendable. And that, this is going to matter later on in the story. But now you see how quick in action when you mess with the Boulay kids, got to get them out of here. Hammer comes down right away. So that was just a a, a fatal mistake on the... <laughs> On the part of these cops, they they picked up exactly the wrong kids. Now we have to get into another phase of the of the, of the whole uh, narrative, and this goes to uh, timeline four. In the early hours of Friday morning, St. Paul police report that nearly 170 businesses have been damaged by vandalism, looting, or fires. Minneapolis police arrest ex-officer Derek Chauvin and charge him with third-degree murder and manslaughter. Charging papers state that Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Friday night, demonstrations continue across the country. Hundreds are arrested, police cars are burned, and scuffles break out between law enforcement and protesters in New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and more. The governors of several states announced they will deploy the National Guard to restore order. Man, is this, this was NBC, that was crap. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened about this. Then all of a sudden that happened, and then this guy came over, and then that happened, and they did like that. That was boring, Brandy. Demonstrate. <laughs> I use yeah, it was boring. Uh, but the key words he used: demonstrations and protests, not rioters <laughs> yeah. and rioting. No, but I guess my point is that read was mm-hmm. so dead. That was someone who was not passionate. That's just a script. Read this shit. Get it out. That was, and that wasn't even a professional reader. That was someone who was just around to do that one. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Hey, come here." I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm telling you. This was that was a hack job. All right. But still, well, you're right. Got to go back. Protesters, to, demonstrators, protesters, yeah, protesters, yes, and demonstrations. Peaceful. All peaceful. Even though cop cars are on fire and a hundred something businesses are, are smashed. Mm-hmm. Demonstrations. That's all. Yes. Just, just some demonstrations. Just demonstrations. Uh, now we got to go back to Malcolm again because. Mm-hmm. He, he he gives context to what people are thinking when they go over f- from peaceful to not peaceful. And brothers and sisters, let me say, I spend my time out there in the street with people, all kinds of people, uh, listening to what they have to say. And they're dissatisfied. They're disillusioned. They're fed up. They're getting to the point of frustration where they are beginning to feel what do they have to lose and when you get to that point you're in you're the type of person who can create a very dangerously explosive atmosphere i like that he uh he brought in the uh (laughs) donald trump uh, what do you got to lose meme i wonder if uh, if trump uh, picked that up somewhere like hey i know let's uh, use some malcolm x here but that was totally offensive. You can't say that. Black people, you can't say that about black people who say, what do they have to lose? <laughs> but you can if you're Malcolm X. <laughs> he said it. And that's the wow. sentiment of the kids in the streets now and then. Interesting. That 
if you make me so hopeless, you put me in a bad neighborhood to begin with, and then the only thing separating me from your products and goods and rich neighborhoods now is a thin piece of glass, and that glass is removed from me by agents, I'm going in. And that is the, that is the thing that is, I think, not not discussed underreported uh you know they tried the old i don't understand why that why they tear down their own neighborhood no no <laughs> this was different this was looting of the of the up the the classy uh, stores i don't Beverly i don't hills yeah rodeo the, drive but that's new isn't it? I, I don't think we've seen that before these types of quote-unquote race riots i don't think we've seen that we haven't seen it in fact I remember with the 92 riots, uh, Rodney King, was mm-hmm. that 92? Um, yes. I remember the people in Beverly Hills like, oh, 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 I hope they don't come over here. They're coming to the hills. Where well, the criminals are going to where the broken windows are. That's right. And we've, I'm sure we're Thank all you. aware Thank of. Thank you. That is a, such a good point. <laughs> so it, and the criminals, they didn't have, they didn't have a necessarily a, um, a mission. It's like, okay, whatever the broken windows are, the agitators, mm-hmm. the agent provocateurs, they're the ones that broke those windows and led yes. people to it. That's a good point. And we all know about the broken window theory. Well, that would be Rudy Giuliani <laughs> with uh-huh. broken windows. Yeah, you, 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 kids who break windows don't get away with it. And that's, that's supposed to, you know. Uh, it's a, squel, it's a little more crime. to it than that. No, yeah, it's a little true. more than that. That's true. Because we're going to, yeah, I, I, I know, but I, I went and found the people that wrote the broken window theory. Oh, cool. And I have a clip. I have a clip. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Here we go. In 1982, two guys called James Q. Wilson and George L. Kelling wrote a story for the Atlantic Monthly called Broken Windows. This is part of what they said. Consider a building with a few broken windows. If the windows are not repaired, the tendency is for vandals to break a few more windows. Eventually, they may even break into the building. And if it's unoccupied, perhaps become squatters or light fires inside. Right. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, fix the windows. Yeah. But that's the mindset of the criminal element in this crowd. Yep. We break the windows. Then we go inside. Yeah. And, and it's more escalated now. It's not like this is broken windows that they walk past every day. No, but no. It's the same mentality that that window's broken. Nice stuff on the inside. Hey, you've moved. You've removed the barrier. Yep. Now I I walk past this store every day, and I haven't took a brick to this window. But since it's gone. And I think this is a an allusion to our society as how fragile when that little piece of glass is broken in our society, chaos can ensue. That's an, and this is why that's I just, an I interesting know, point. That's a very interesting point that people respect such a fragile piece uh, of civility on from one side to the other. But once that is gone, it's like, whatever. But we walk by it day and day and day out, and we don't break the window. Yeah, these these kids have seen these stores, and a lot of a lot of young kids are into upscale and you know couture that kind of stuff. Macy's, you know that. Mo, and they see uh, Mo, it. I I'm like that's a nice Vuitton bag. It's like hey, yeah, I could, <laughs> I understand. Right. Uh, 
So now you remove that barrier, that mental barrier. Is that thin piece of glass? That's all we have is society. That's it. It was. It's and interesting. That's why this is very dangerous. It's interesting because it was so not through by a lot of these kids. You know, be like, it's just Target. Target's going to be fine. And and I said, well, if you consider that there could be like a couple hundred people working at that Target who won't be fine when they mm-hmm. don't have a job. Uh, no, I hadn't thought about that. It's part of the but mentality. That's the, that's the, menta- that's the, ma- the yes, mentality. That's the mentality. Is Yep. It's self uh, about self. It's, it's the narcissism and the and the uh, the narcissism of this of this society that we live in now. Well, uh, so we have the broken window theory. Uh, now, Keisha uh, Keisha Bottoms is so fed up that she tells protesters in Atlanta, "Go home." And on yesterday, when I heard. There were rumors about violent protests in Atlanta. I did what a mother would do. I called my son and I said, where are you? I said, I cannot protect you and black boys shouldn't be out today. So you're not going to out concern me and out care about where we are in America. I wear this each and every day, and I pray over my children each and every day. So what I see happening on the streets of Atlanta is not Atlanta. This is not a protest. This is not in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. This is chaos. A protest has purpose. When Dr. King was assassinated, we didn't do this to our city. I, you know, this got no play. Mm-hmm. I did not see this anywhere. And I love what she said there. I really do. Because she, she backs up, uh, the, even backs up the president. So this is messed up. This is not, this is not your protesting. And that's the thing that is, that the, the media has been so kind of great at covering up. Just pasted right over it. And by the way, just going back to that CNN reporter who got arrested. Uh Bullshit. I I saw that happen live. Now, what most people forget is the camera isn't just, you know, your view of the world. There's an actual guy standing there and usually has an actual other guy who does the audio. And they just kept, they weren't getting arrested. They filmed, I forget the reporter's name. They filmed his entire arrest for this story. Uh, important to know, he was uh, quote unquote black, right? And uh, you know, the cops were standing there. They clearly got a message, and it said, "I'll count." And then he came over to him, "Yeah, I'm arresting you." What? I'm arresting you? Okay. But when the camera is not arrested for the entire sequence, that's not policing. That's not how it works. I've been around situations. The whole camera crew, it's turn off the camera, and you're under arrest. It's not. Film the whole arrest. Film me taking the the uh, your your host away, and then we're gonna let you put the camera down. Walk away. I mean, it was it, it, that was whatever it was. It was not um, did not seem like a real sequence of events the way I've seen uh, news crews or anyone be arrested. But people don't think about the camera being two people who were there who are also later arrested probably because they fucking forgot oh shit man let's go <laughs> like, we gotta go gotta go arrest those guys too otherwise doesn't look right I'm telling you 
It's insulting to my intelligence. Anyway, sorry. And there's something in this last clip from Keisha Bottoms. She invoked the control mechanism that is MLK. She did. When when black people start getting out of hand and start, you know, uh, being nonviolent or rowdy or whatever, it's like, okay, hit the, hit, hit hit the, the MLK, MLK button. <laughs> yeah, hit the MLK chip. And, and that, she, she said it twice. Like, this is not what MLK was about. You know, this is a control mechanism, and this is why they teach it in school. Is this something? This, this is is this something that works for you? I mean, uh, that's not fair to ask because you're way beyond. Well, that. let me let me, no let me. Well, I can speak to that. I I'm aware that it's a control mechanism. Now, let me just say, let me. I'm glad you asked that question. I am not against protest. I'm all for protest, and actually, I think that they should have been more disruptive of everyday life. And what I mean by that is get on the highway and drive 10 miles an hour. Kind of like how the tractors did you know in, in the in, Netherlands. Yeah. In the Netherlands, right? Yeah. Um, interfere with people's movement as far as going, traveling and that thing in a nonviolent and, and, and way. That, that's such a good point because um, you know, the Netherlands, just to give people the background, the farmers are being mm-hmm. screwed over by climate change regulation that's happening in Germany Well, before the, before the lockdown. Which I'm sure was convenient. Um, they got in their tractors and they clogged up all the highways for uh, several days, like morning commutes. Now, that in the Netherlands is death because they already have a, a huge traffic situation. Every single Dutch person was stood behind the farmers, even though they were inconvenienced to an mm-hmm. extreme degree. They were like, that was not something that pissed anybody off. Like, yeah, we agree with you, man. We'll all be late to our work. That's fine. But they agreed with and it, it only, and they stood behind and it. It's a great way to. It's a great point. And it only takes four cars and four tanks. Doesn't of gas. take much. Doesn't take much. No, it, it doesn't, really doesn't take much no, at all. No. And this is why these people don't want to be effective. <laughs> right. They had a game plan from the very beginning that comes from a very high level. That is my perspective, but I think I'm one percent accurate in 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 saying this. Because no, none of none of the game plan that works. Like I said, you can you can inhibit people's movement, and that'll be far more disruptive. But that's not what they did. They no. they sent their goons out there to break the windows, and then the criminals do their dirty work for them. It gets out of hand. You have cities burning, and then this is when it reached its highest level. Uh, and this really put the black man's face on all negativity of the, of the riots. Man charged with murder. This morning, two men are behind bars, arrested in connection to the death of retired St. Louis police captain David right. Dorn. Our Savannah Louie joins us now live with the very latest developments. Good morning, Savannah. Hey, Rennie, law enforcement has actually been looking for people for about a week now, looking for the person who is charged or who has killed Captain Dorn. They were offering tens of thousand dollars for any tips leading to an arrest. We now know that two people are being charged in connection with this case. We want to show you their photos right now. On the left is Stephen Cannon. He's being charged with first degree murder, robbery and other felonies, while Jimmy Robinson was also arrested in connection with the case, charged with stealing. Surveillance video shows multiple people entering Lee's Pond 
Dawn shop early Tuesday morning, where Captain Dorn was working as security after a night of unrest. According to her charging documents, shot when shots were fired, Stephen Cannon had a gun in his hand and was the only person standing at the corner. Police arrested Cannon at his home yesterday, where they also found a stolen TV from the pawn shop. Mm-mm. This is where we had to hit the abort button. Yes, that then that was, it was bad too. This was really bad. It it was like abort, abort. We've lost control. We we need to reel it back in. I don't think. I think. And I don't think they could. I don't think that. That's what Elon Omar was talking about. We didn't have a safety mm-hmm. net. No, right. They didn't. But so what you do is when you lose all control, you well. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's this mentality that we covered in show 38 of this is a slave or a leg, uh, a um, person from the legacy of slave ownership speaking on blacks and how he viewed them. And he considered himself more liberal than before. What has tended to make you more liberal? Well, realization that the Negro is a human being like anyone else. Mr. Hasty, what did you think we were before you began to think of us as human beings? Well, in a a way, we thought of you almost as a very superior pet. Something, or rather someone, we had to take care of because we had to do so much of their thinking for them. We had to do almost everything uh, for them that, except living their own own lives. Anything outside, we, we had to do for them. Yeah, and I remember, uh, this was only a couple shows ago, but this clip kind of stunned me because it's from 1968. I was on this yes. planet around. <laughs> we launched a man to the moon, apparently, one year after this clip. This is mm-hmm. this is very disturbing to hear this kind of. And I I don't know if this is all the way all these guys thought at the time, but I'll bet you there were a hell of a lot of them. This is the patronizing way that people think they're helping somebody, but they look at them like, "Well, you're a helpless child. I have to do the thinking for you." Yeah. Now that and this where this ties into the previous clip is now that things have went out of control. The people calling the shots like, oh, we have to do something because they can't figure it out for themselves. The the, the, the blacks, the blacks <laughs> are out of control in the streets. So now we need to water down and change the narrative. And Malcolm X, and this is the final clip I have him. And I use him a lot because he's awesome. He's considered a militant. <laughs> he, he, well, that and he's considered a militant. But we we see how a militant that thinks for himself actually thinks compared to pawns that are being steered thinks. He tells you how they water down a movement. It's just like when you got some coffee that's too black, which means it's too strong. What you do, you integrate it with cream. <laughs> Cool. It used to be strong, it becomes weak. 
It used to wake you up. Now it'll put you to sleep. <laughs> of course, of course. Sometimes you can have the perfect, nice color of Mo and Adam mixing together, and it just yeah. tastes like lovely, smooth creaminess. One part Mo, one part Adam. Then there you go. That's the that's the that's the ratio that you need. That's what. That's it. I, I, I'm going to say this, and people might get upset with me, but at this point, you know, I'm past that point. Yeah, very good. If you want black people to be perceived as independent and you want to be an ally, stay at home. Stay at home. And the reason why I say that is there's nothing more jarring if it would have been all black people moving peacefully Moving with uh, how much more impactful? How much more impactful would it be if all you saw was black faces? Black faces moving in order. Yep, moving with a plan. Uh-huh. Slowing down uh, highways. Slow- no, no violence. And when we saw violence, we snuffed it out. When you saw a provocateur come through, we snuffed it. I'm not talking about harming them but what i mean is suppressing them so they can distract the movement from what it's trying to do yeah. that would be way more effective than yeah. what happened now where you just poured all this milk well, <laughs> into this hot coffee this is interesting and now it's this is interesting go ahead we what we have not seen emerge is any leaders any voices and that I think oh, is they're, they're a, on the way. No, I know, I know. But uh, well, good. <laughs> not all, not not our leaders. No, 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 not our leaders. No, they're, no, they're, they're picking. Yeah, they're picking them for. But I now. mean, you would see. So and and by the way, this reminded me so much of like Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we never really got out of that. Mic check, mic check. We're all equal. Uh, but that's what's missing. You know, there there's no one leading it, saying, "Okay, let's let's uh, let's keep this in line." Like you said, let's just keep this in line. Let's let's do this. And by the way, this black people event. Fine, fine by me, by the way, to say it. It's, it's totally right on. Why don't we do t- white I, people tomorrow? And I'm speaking from optics standpoint. Yes, it's more powerful. If you, show, totally that, if you show that on camera <laughs> of rank and file of black men handling themselves as as men, as men, as men, not as children, would've, would've as, as so as, good. As, yes, yes, Mo, fucking a, you're so right. But they won't li- allow that to happen no. because no, that ruins their base. Now, like you said, they need to expand their they need to expand their base, and it's like no, 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 we can't have that happen. You know, we need to this the gas and brakes, and it's like they lost control of the car. Now it's like abort, can, and can, now we have to have just on the sideline. Could that still happen? Is there still an organization in the United States that that is pure enough to say this Sunday, you know, uh, across America, peaceful, uh, this is really for us only, white people, we really, really appreciate you. Just stay home. Mm-hmm. We just want, just, want, just want to show everybody that we're here and what we're about. And... And have it planned and have, you know, make up some signs, that, some, you know, good signs that everybody can read. Is there an organization? You know, typically, this would end up with NAACP or the, uh, 
I mean, I, I don't think any of these orgs, I think they're all corrupt. Do you think anyone could still do something like that and put that together? That's why they won't let the vacuum occur. They're constantly filling the vacuum with Gosh, NAACP, Rainbow right. Coalition, yeah, so right. Action Network, now Black Lives Matter. They don't let it happen. They don't let that. the room breathe. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. And I'm going to say a name here, and I, and this is an illusion of where we're headed in the next couple of shows. Uh, Raz Simone. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Foul that away. Raz Simone <laughs> the, of, of, of the country of Chaz. Yes. <laughs> this is an example of how they create our leaders for us. So, no, they won't let us. But this is the point of having the school of fish mentality. Yeah. Because if we're all on code, there is no organization needed. Right. There is no uh, signs that are needed. It's that we're going to come out, show ourselves, show ourselves to be men, mm-hmm. not children that you need to uh, preside over. And by the way, and I would love to see men, women, and children. Just, you know, families. Right. That, be it has phenomenal. to be the men first. It yeah, has be, to be the men first because. Yeah, good point. That's, that's what's missing. That, you know, cause it's not, like I said, we're the silent majority. I've had this conversation with many of my friends. Like, I'm not going out to that crap. You know what I'm saying? We know what time it is. Uh, we know that it's, uh, um, right. It's, but, it's, but, no, it's, but, the, but it would be great if you say, okay, let's do this, men. Why don't we go do this? But there's, there's no room for that. Not yet. Not yet. Eventually, but not yet. Because we have to all get on the swimming in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew that the party was over when I started seeing the black LGBT community start pulling away from black men who supposedly us, us being killed in the street was the whole reason this thing was happening. We have Mr. Billy Porter. And black people hear me. Because y'all ain't going to like this one. As a black queer man in America, my basic human rights have been up for legislation every single day that I have had breath in my body from all sides. And by that, I mean that the black community's relationship with the LGBTQ plus community is appalling at best and eerily similar to that of white supremacists versus black folk. Hear me black people and hear me well. (laughs) I'm calling y'all out right here and right now. You cannot expect our demands of equality to be met with any real legislative policy and change when y'all turn around and inflict the same kind of hate and oppression on us. The tragic reality here is that black trans as well as gender non-conforming women and men are being killed in the United States by cis black men. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, So first, I like Billy Porter. I like colorful people in show business. And I don't mean that Mm -hmm. in skin color, but he's, I like flamboyant. uh, It makes life interesting. It's all good by me. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But. It's to me, this is Billy Porter going, oh, no, you black men didn't take my month. 
because this, of course, is Pride Month. Ooh. This is oh, Pride yes. Month. This is Pride <laughs> yeah. Month. Couldn't have been better time. Now, he didn't say it, but I know that's what he was thinking. Because this is supposed to be, and Pride Month is, is a big deal for those who celebrate Pride. See, it's very mm-hmm. important. This is being, you know, this is a conflict. It could actually could not have been scheduled a better time because you get this. And the things he's saying, though, I mean, I don't know how that flies, but you, if you call in, you're saying, hey, you, you black men, you cis, cis black men. Cis black men. That's why I, that's why I laid that term out there earlier, just so you, you thought I was being, no. Well, and, 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 but Billy Porter is right. There is an absolute issue between cis black men and black trans women. Uh, right. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know how, the scale of it. Uh, but there's yeah, th- there's definitely some. It's some, a very nuanced go- conversation because of how the interaction between the two parties that use it is in a violent situation. How they come about interacting with each other, and yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, but- I totally hear what you're saying. I've spoken to trans women about this, and right. uh, but it's a little separate from what we're dealing with now. And I think, yeah, I get it, Billy. Maybe just park that just for one second. No, it's not parking it. It's it's full <laughs> on going into his LGBT altar. Yeah, it's like no, 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 no. I'm not a black man. No, I'm I'm a LGBT queer man. Yeah, in right? fact, the black man is my enemy. That's what he said. And I told people on this show before that um, Janae, uh Jamel uh, Hill wrote an article saying. Black men are the white people of black people. Yes, I remember this. Yep. And this is exactly what he just said. We black men, cisgender black men, are the white supremacists of the black community. Now, we're laying dead in the street <laughs> and they're supposed yeah. to be marching for our to bring attention to, to our cause, but that's not how it works. And so they hit the abort button, and this was a clear sign that it was over. It, what you thought was Black Lives Matter was something totally different from this point on. Yeah. Boulay Lives what, Matter. Yeah. And, and, and when I realized that, and now is when I saw the Sesame Street special come out. <laughs> this, was, this was fantastic. Mo, so Mo what calls I did, me. Mo. Hey man, Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday morning. I'm in bed. Hey man, listen, uh, you got to record Sesame Street for me. Okay, Mo, whatever, man. Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I watched it, of course, with my coffee. I'm like, yes. oh my gosh. It's one of the highest levels of mind control I have ever seen. And this is the milk being poured into the hot coffee. Now, what I've done here is I've just capture the questions that were asked because I didn't want to subject people to the mind control that was going on in special, but I did want to show the mental state of the people that were being subjected to the mind control. I have two black sons, five and two, and an amazing black husband. My children keep asking me, mommy, why do you keep crying? I don't know what to say to them and how to explain this. I'm sad. I'm mad, I'm hurt, I'm not okay. But at the same time, I am so thankful for the many amazing protests I've seen around the world. 
My question, is it too early to explain to them what is going on? Will it mess up their innocent little minds? What is the best way to begin this conversation with the very young children? Our daughter is nearly two. <laughs> I want to be a neurosurgeon when I grow up. Can I operate on racist brains to change them? Why we have to do this again and again and again? What are some resources we can both use to further acknowledge our white privilege and to help raise up the black community? All right, I'm just going to call it. That's child abuse. So I have some answers to their questions. So one woman asks, or what two women asks, they have one has a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And is that too soon? Yes. Yes, it is too soon. Uh, then the other ladies even trumped her and said, I have one is almost two. What are you talking to a one-year-old about? A one-year-old about racism? Well, the problem I had with it is they made, they simplified it so much that it was totally and only about skin color. That was the Sesame Street message. It is only about skin color. There was nothing else in there. And it was all also about making white people comfortable again. It was like, everything's okay. You can go outside now. You know, and this is the moving the milk into the streets. Cool the coffee off. Like, everything, go out to your protest this weekend. Uh, this came on Saturday morning, so I'm sure a lot of people, like, were calm. And it's like, okay, now, yeah, we can go out. It's safe to go out again. That uh, You know what now, that was? That was the speed shoot they deployed. Yes. That's, that's exactly that. what it is. Yeah, speed shoot. Boom, pull that <laughs> thing. Slow this train down. Yep. Yep. And another question. The little girl asks, she wants to be a neurosurgeon, and can she operate <laughs> on racist brains? No, little girl. The cure for racism is a vaccine, okay? We all know that. <laughs> Racism vaccine. Dr. Bill's on his way, little girl. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And the last lady, she asked, she said, is there any resources that we can, that she can have that can uh, better educate her? Well, you know what? We have a message from our sponsors. There are subscription boxes for everything these days. Twee menswear, makeup, dog toys. And now two women are hoping a box delivered once a month can alleviate white guilt. But as Evan McMorris Santoro discovered, it won't come cheap. <laughs> Barry Elman is a rabbi and professor of Jewish studies who lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Barra's holiday gift haul this year includes something for herself, the safety pin box, a new monthly subscription service designed to wake up white people to the realities of being black in America. Plans start at $25 and go all the way up to 100 a month. Okay. <laughs> white people, don't waste your money on safety pin boxes. No, <laughs> alleviate your guilt by supporting MoFax with Adam Curry. That's the way to go. That'll make you feel so much better. Ah, that's a good one, Mo. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. That's, that's also that a throw, isn't that also a throwback clip? Was that was that a Dvorak yeah, clip? Yeah. I can't remember where we got. No, that. that's a, that was a throwback clip from the um the the, the white guilt boxes, ah, from yeah. the white guilt, the white show. guilt yeah. episode. I, I masked the title, so you so I, you're right. You Thank guard. you. You did catch me. Now you know me so well. Uh, this is a value for value uh, presentation, which is a very simple in uh, in that. All we say is, are you getting any value from what is being done here? If so, 
Turn that into a number for yourself. It's very different for every single human being. And that's the big discovery of the value for value model. And you really are participating. We get feedback from you. I'm not even mentioning all of the uh, the interesting links, feedback, um, uh, clips, uh, information. Yeah, and, and expertise that people have in mm-hmm. and boots on the ground. Let's, uh, let's mention that too. So producers are everywhere and people who support us are the producers. And financial producers are necessary to keep the work going because we cannot and do not want advertisers or commercial uh, companies involved because there's no way we could ever discuss any of this. And it's why you don't see it in the mainstream media. It's amazing. It, it's not really anywhere. <laughs> we seem to be unique in doing it for some reason. No white guilt boxes will be sold on this show. So <laughs> No, 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 not this week. Uh, but we do want to thank our uh, producers and um, we have a number of, uh, well, it's, it's actually now, we had a little bit longer time in between shows, so we have a little bit mm-hmm. longer list, but everyone does have some nice notes, and we start off with our executive producers, and the first one is Jonathan Keegan, who sends in $270.59, and uh, he understands the lingo right away. Mo faxes, mo money. Yes, right. Thank you for your courage, and keep providing everyone with this valuable podcast. He says, this donation represents 50% of my most recent half Iron Man time of five hours, 41 minutes, and 18 seconds. Holy crap. May I please request some Mo Karma? Thank you very much. Jonathan Keegan in Charlotte, North Carolina. You betcha, I'm man. sending you tons of good-ass energy. Take that, take that, take that. <laughs> You've got karma. Now, that was just a regular, wasn't it? I, I got to get the buttons right. I'm going to just, just make sure that we... Spread the right goo around. I think this is the Mo Karma. Here we go. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. That's the one. <laughs> Gotta mark that and make sure I don't mess it that one up. Makes me chuckle every time. It's beautiful, man. It's a thing of beauty. Jonathan, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, right after Jonathan with $200, James Lawler. Uh, Brother Mo, he says, You are a shining light in this darkness and have changed my perspective forever. Right, wrong, whatever, it doesn't matter. I feel more informed and happier to have had your insightful instruction. I believe that through this show, you have become a beacon of hope for a truly free and equal society that I thought America was already, and I believe deep down still stands for and can strive to be. Amen. And all we had to do was have a conversation, this conversation, getting past divisive subjects and focusing on the root causes to these issues. Unrooting and exposing what the real problems are is the only way to know how to make it better for us all. I feel, uh, I feel. Thank you both for your courage and Mo Karma for you two great gentlemen. Keep on swimming and a new money double hundy <laughs> to help make sure you do. We like the fresh, fresh, fresh hundred dollar <laughs> bill, the crisp one. That is such a nice note, James. Thank you. And uh, and I've and so many other people have said this to me, very similar. And that's right. All it took was just some people talking together. Here we go. Mo Karma for us, Mo. Enjoy this one. You've got Mo Karma. <laughs> and keep swimming. It's, yeah. Keeps, well, that's the fish. I mean, people, mm-hmm. they got it down, man. David De La Haba, $133. A magic number slipped in there. Duke D from the No Agenda podcast. DC Basement. Yes, we know him. I annoy the hell out of Adam and you now, Mo. Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> You've got DC Basement on the case. He he likes to send a lot of links on Twitter. Good ones, too. Good Very, ones too. That's the point. It, and, I lo- <laughs> you know, and I always want to say, please never... Th- 
Always think, send it to us. If you think, ah, a thousand people already sent it to him, believe me, you're going to be the first. It happens time and time again. Uh, and it's easy enough to uh, to just uh, go past it if we've seen it already. But David, uh, thank you very much for your uh, significant contribution as our uh, uh, first associate executive producer for episode number 40 already of MoFax with Adam Curry. Eric checks in with $100 after that. Uh, thank you, Mo and Adam, for this show. MoFax and No Agenda are essential listening in today's world to cut through the political and racial nonsense fed to us through the M5M. I feel this show gives me more a more reasonable and realistic perspective into, quote, black issues and race relations in America. Also, I'm always strangely happy to see when the show is delayed because I know Mo is down a deep rabbit hole and the show <laughs> is going to be excellent. Keep up the great work. You, I mean, we we have even the conversations you and I have on text, Mo, is kind of funny. I mean, just <laughs> how this show comes together every time is it's fantastic. It really is. That's Eric from uh, Minneapolis. Who, boots uh, on the ground. So boots if, on yeah, the ground, keep, man. Put, yeah, keep, yeah, keep us posted. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. What's going on? Uh, also associate executive producer Rochelle Stowe with a hundred dollars. No note, but thank you so much, Rochelle. Catherine Bishop, a hundred dollars. Mo and Adam, she says, my favorite part of the podcast is Mo's well-constructed clip list. I've added a few of the sources that Mo uses frequently to my weekly listening, both professionally and personally enriching. Thanks. Yes. And, uh, we do have, so we have archive.mofax.com, which also every show, um, we don't actually publish these clips, do we, Mo? Is that something we should be no. doing? I have them. I, um, I'm just. I mean, I I no, a, I have them all. I, I keep have, a file. I got. I keep a file on everybody. I mean, my files never go away. So well, if right. we need to post them, well, I no. I I have. Uh, I have files. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm an archivist. I, I know. <laughs> I just. I haven't done that. Do you think we should do that? I think it would be a, a great benefit because that's what people can use to s- spread stuff around. You know. Yeah, we we figure out how to uh, yeah, get we should, it posted for people. We, yeah, well, it's easy to do. I just I just hadn't done it. Um, we probably should do that because it's helpful for people. Catherine, thank and you. I do, Go ahead. I do say this. If people do contact me and like, where'd you get that clip from? I always reply with the link. So I'm just to let people know until we get it, get it up and running. If it's a certain clip that you need, just contact me and I'll send you the the link. Uh, yeah. But, I do so, it on my YouTube channel and 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 social media and i can put the but i can put the actual mp3 files right in the show notes i just don't know why right, i haven't I, done it. that's easy hey okay well there you go that, we gotta have a meeting that, that, no, <laughs> meeting, no adjourned. meeting adjourned <laughs> that's all the meetings we do on this show and we'll do it live all right uh our last associate executive producer is peter j boyle a uh, hundred dollars from peter can i get some mo karma great work keep it up you bet <laughs> you've got mo karma Eric H. Wells, no note, but $77.44. I'm sure it's good news in code for something. Thank you, Eric. Donald DeHart, 5678, $56.78. I had to donate. The endeavor is important and valuable. Thank you both for your efforts. Please send me some karma. Thanks, Don DeHart from Clarksville, Tennessee. It's the word value that I appreciate you using, man. Thank you very much. I'm sending you tons of good ass energy. Take that. Take that. Take that. You've got karma. 5555, Jacob Bauman-Smith. You have brought my wife and I. Oh, 
my, I, I love hearing this. You have brought my wife and I, are you, are you sniffling? Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. I love this. It is, man. It is. You brought my wife and I closer together through this confusing time, exposing the hypocrisy from both sides of the political lie of identity. Thank you so much for in-depth analysis. Woosa! And I'm going to give you the first official new woosa. Woosa! Now that's a woosa. Wow, that's, cal- that's a woosa. calming. <laughs> it's very calming. That's a beautiful note, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, 5555 from William Leonard. Thank you for dropping the knowledge. Thank you for giving us some value for that, William. Chris Bailey, uh, double nickels on the dime, $55.10. Shout out to the dynamic duo dropping knowledge week after week. Thank you, Mo and Adam. Can I get a Mo Karma? Yes, you can, Chris. Absolutely. Bend over. You've got Mo Karma. Colin Preston, also double nickels on the dime. NJNK, we know that stands for no jingles, no karma. Thank you, Colin. It's appreciated. Uh, Adam Choi, $51 and a notes. Hi, Adam and Mo. As this is a podcast podcast that investigates and explores contemporary culture and society through the lens of black issues, would you consider covering the recent HBO The Watchmen, a TV adaptation based on the graphic novel and movie? Uh, I'll read on. Yes. I'll read on, and you know, there's your answer. <laughs> yes, in the works. <laughs> I, yeah, I figured it was. The sh- talk about your trauma. <laughs> the show starts off boldly with a high production reenactment of the Tulsa massacre. Yes, I saw this episode with race uh, issues in the South, identity, vigilantism and conspiracy being central themes throughout the series led by a strong black female lead character played by the main uh, played by Regina King. One fascinating concept explored in the show is the ability to take a drug slash pill and be able to experience someone else's memories, which in the show is used by the main character to access her grandfather's memories. One instance taking place during the traumatic Tulsa massacre, another of the grandfather's experience as the first black cop on the force and being discriminated against. This reminds me of an episode of this podcast where you played a clip from Charlemagne's audiobook where he talked about epigenics and inherited trauma from his slave ancestors. If you get around to watching the series, if you haven't already, I have seen several episodes, could you do some analysis uh, and explanation of what the show got right, what it didn't do well, and other things related to black issues and the themes of this podcast? As the BLM protests and the black issues have become the main focus currently, I've seen some posts on social media pushing this idea of inherited trauma into the zeitgeist. That is a great catch, Adam. And reading this, I had not read the note uh, previously. I saw uh, an item, and it might have been on CNN, that brought this up. And that may mm-hmm. be something that's being pushed. Have you caught any of this, Mo? Yeah, I'll, I'll push back against it all the time because uh, the epigenetics. How do you have a control group? That's always my question. How do you have a control group in this study? Uh and the drug he's talking about in the show is called nostalgia. Nice. <laughs> as we co- as we as we covered in the show about what nostalgia actually is. So, yeah. uh, from from Mister One, Mister Draper. So, uh, I think we'll definitely be discussing that, Adam. Thank you very much for uh, your uh, support. Fifty one dollars, fifty dollars from Jesse mm-hmm. Cruz, Sir Jesse Cruz here. Love the show. Almost caught up. Was wondering if you would ever cover the Muslim slave trade. Check out the works of Dr. John Alembilla. 
Azuma, keep up the good work, and can I get some more karma, please? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I would, yeah so many topics to cover. Like I said, we, we'll be around for a while, so we'll eventually get to it. But I'm going to tell you this. The thing about the slavery and me covering slavery, I don't like to do it as a topic itself. I like to talk, show how it feeds into more current events or more recent history. I agree but with that. I, I, that's something that's. That's something. I mean, because it's so much narrative in that narrative. <laughs> yes, so. and, and and yes, and who has the truth documented from so many sides, and no one's around to talk about it. We got MP3s now, right? We got receipts <laughs> on MP3s. <laughs> Jesse, thank you very much uh, for your support, your value. John Knowles, fifty dollars says great as always. Hans Lux, fifty dollars says thanks, Mo and Adam, for the great work. Your show is always a source of happiness, information, and entertainment. I try and share with with whomever I can. You guys are fantastic. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, $50. And, go ahead. I like to hear he said happiness. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It, that's the point. We don't want to traumatize people here. That's, that's, no. <laughs> I'm no. glad that, that I took, I took, when I read that, that really hit, hit home with me. It's all of these, but the, the this is, this, this, something's good here. <laughs> something's very good here feels very good james w gilkison fifty dollars uh the show keeps the shows keep getting better and better thank you for the insights and perspectives i particularly like how you tie into historical events and individuals to show how long this has been going on i know i look forward to the show every week can i get a woosa thank you very much as jim gilkison of course you can get a woosa woosa <laughs> Marty Ben, I think I might throw, I might think I might throw you off so we don't miss Colin. Did I miss Colin? Ah, I, I did. Think so. Yeah, yeah. sorry I about s- that, Colin. Fifty dollars uh, from Colin. Hey, dudes, first time donor, but I've been a listener since Adam first mentioned the show on No Agenda. I truly appreciate your insights, humor, and willingness to have open, honest discussions about race, issues of race and class in this too often toxic media environment. This is the least I can do for now, but more to come down the road. No jingles, no karma, Colin. Thank you, Colin. Well, this is exactly what we're, why we're doing it. And, and love that it's uh, it's bringing people happiness, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did Mary Bent, I think. Thanks for all you do. $50. Christopher, $50. Chris Black from Jamaica, just dropping a line. And then that's it. An F. And was there more there that got cut off? Is that a PayPal mm-hmm. cut off or something? Uh, just that- dropping a line. Hmm. Well, I think, that's, uh, I think that comes from uh, just Cash up. App. All right. So well, Cash App is a little funky. A little with funky the, that way. Well, the, the, Christopher, the comments. Yeah, send us uh, an email uh, or whatever, and we'll be happy to read the rest of your note. All we got is right. the first couple words there. But thank you for your support. $40 from John Taylor, which is new house karma. <laughs> yes, we got some new house, new mo house karma. I'm sending you tons of good ass energy. Take that, take that, take that. <laughs> You've got karma. $39.33 from Michael Kemmerer. Mo and Adam, thanks for the eye-opening discussions. No jingles, no karma, sir. Michael Black Knight of the dude's name Ben uh, Snohomish. Uh, dude's name Ben in Snohomish, Washington. I love the no agenda people who are coming over here. It's fantastic. Cameron uh, Keithley, 3333, the magic numbers. Great show, Mo. Really enjoy the unique perspective you guys bring. Already opened my eyes to a lot of things I never thought about. Keep it up. That's exactly right. 
It's the stuff. It's just pure. Never thinking about it now. I think I told you this. Maybe we were talking on the phone the other day, but <clears throat> I see thing. I actually see things differently, Mo, thanks to this this show. I mean, I, I as, as do I, as do I. Good. From from the feedback that I get, it it it, it makes you reconsider some things. It does so it I'll does? Make... <laughs> but no, but you know, I'm 55. Think, eh, what can I learn? I'm learning every day. If Al can, if Reverend Al can learn new tricks, I'm sure you can too, Adam. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds very confusing to be compared to Al, but thanks. I, I think you mean it well. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, Crazy Stuff Merch 3333 says, thank you and thank you, Crazy Stuff. Matt Fuzell, uh came in twice, apparently, with $25. Catching up, much appreciated, and thanks, he says. And in the morning, thank you for your courage and passion. This podcast is invaluable. Much appreciated. Mo Karma, please. Yes, we got you, Mo Karma. Thank you. You've got... Mocom. $25 also from Cyrus Esau and Elvis Rosenberg, who was there every single episode. Chef Elvis, we really appreciate you. Connor Lawrence checks in with 2424. These are interesting numbers we're getting on the show. 2424. It's very interesting. I don't know what that's about. Hmm. I think the note tells us. Oh, it does? Oh. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Love and light, gentlemen. Looks like the PayPal payment from last week didn't go through. Apologies for the confusion. My donation of $24.24 is a special one as my smoking hot, bombastically beautiful girlfriend, Elisa, turned 24 on June 1st. I love you, honey, and I request the strongest woosa and mo karma to make my dear's 24th year a special one. Let's do that right away then, shall we? Woosa. You've got Mo Uh Connor goes on to say, I thank the both of you for the tremendous work you both, uh, the both of you have done as educators and welders of the word. In Genesis, God forbids revenge to be enacted on Cain after he killed Abel, bidding a fate seven times worse on anyone who should slay him. This is because revenge is a bottomless pit. Gatherings of peace have been infiltrated by Soros and the deep state, and the ruckus they've caused will only nudge more people down this path. To all listening, do not be reactive with your self-defense. Be proactive. Arm and educate yourself. If you're listening to this show, you've already got one of those well covered. (laughs) Get yourself a concealed (laughs) carry and remember the teachings of Malcolm. God, (laughs) this is a great note. God bless the two of you. And thank you both from the bottom of my heart for keeping me sane and enlightening me on more than ever than I ever thought on enlightening me on more than I ever thought you might. You two have a permanent invite to my cookout. <laughs> With love and reverence, your friend Connor. Thank you, Connor. That's a very, very nice note. Thank you. Uh, Clinton, $23, renouncing my uh, passing pop pops. <laughs> <laughs> renouncing my <laughs> passing pop pops privilege very nice you're welcome here clinton desmond henderson twenty dollars keep up the great work mo could you post a link of the clips in the episode oh there you go i'd like to delve deeper into some of those topics thanks uh des aka futbolista fada america on youtube america on youtube do you know this uh this youtuber no des no okay uh, yeah, so we, ju- well, we just had the meeting about the clips, and, um, and we were glad you were at the meeting, Desmond. 
Yes. Uh, could you please do the meeting notes for us? Because we're both kind of late. <laughs> $20 from Kyle Stefano. Thank you for the thought-provoking discussion. I feel like I'm cheating on JCD with Mo, but I like it. Girl Kylie in, <laughs> Girl Kylie in Sacramento. No, you're not cheating. We're, we're a commune. It's all good here. <laughs> Garrett Shamber. It's a tribe. It's, it's the Mofax tribe intersecting with no agenda. Garrett Shamberg, $20. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much. And Harry Pilgrim says, instead of a dub, here's a pair of shoes donation. While stationed in Japan, I learned to play dominoes from the Black Marines in the barracks. They would call a 20-point score a pair of shoes, meaning two tennis or two tennis shoes. Love the show. Keep mm-hmm. it going. Is that I didn't heard about that one. Yes, and we two don't tennis. count Nicks. <laughs> we don't count Nicks, Harry. You'll <laughs> know. That's, 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 yeah, that's I, an inside domino joke. Should, should I, so. uh, I'll be mentioning it on Sunday, but I got so many notes from people who worked at Anthropology explaining mm-hmm. where that came from. What, Dub? No, Nick's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's a tease. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's yeah. a tease. Uh, but anyway, Harry, yes, Harry Pilgrim, bar- Baronet of Mass- uh, Massaponax, Virginia. I know Harry. I've met him personally. He's a very nice guy. He and his wife, fantastic people. Uh, Lynette Poppy, $20. Thank you, Lynette. Michael uh, Bartolomeo, great content, he says. $20, and thank you. $10 from Lisa Stelter. Kevin Roa with value for value, $10. Uh, Same for Sage Felker and William Hawthorne, 5 I'm not from the Joe Rogan experience. (laughs) It's okay. By the way, Joe Rogan experience, fine show to listen to. We all fit in the same three-hour time slot of your life. Sherry Laurie, $5, and she says, I found I passed for white in 1960 on a generic streaming service and watched it a few months ago. Oh, that was the movie we played. What, did we play that movie? No, we played a different one. No, we I played Pinky, for, but it's, Pinky, I, guess, right. it's I guess it's another movie. Similar. I passed for white, 1960, uh, on a generic streaming service and watched it a few months ago. Love the show, Mo, Dame, uh, Love and Light. Um... Well, that's something we should look at. I'll, 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 no, I'll look at that. I'll, I'll look at that. I got a spare hour somewhere. That'd be fun to watch. Uh, thank you, Sherry. $5 from Paul Branham, uh, who says much respect. And f- uh, following up with another person I've known for a decade, uh, we got freehollowbooks.com with a 420 uh, donation. No note, but it's not needed because we understand the 420. And we really appreciate this great list of producers, associate executive producers, and executive producers for episode number 40 of MoFax with Adam Curry. It's so encouraging. Um, it is uh, particularly for the work that goes into this. I'm looking at you, Mo, and you're right. Mm-hmm. He does do a lot of work, and it's uh, seeing this kind of value really makes us feel uh, valued and valuable. And we will hopefully get it done again uh, in about a week from now. It all depends. You know, there's moving and all kinds of life does get in the way. But as everything unfolds, uh, we will bring it to you as best we can. And you can support that work by supporting us at MoFax.com. You can go directly to the donation page, MoFundMe.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And uh, thank you again for participating and producing Mo Facts with Adam Curry, episode number 40. Well, this is always the portion of the show where we get a little uh, rowdy off the beaten path. <laughs> <laughs> off the beaten path. <laughs> um, but uh, 
friend hey, of mine. Hey, and I'm, I sorry, I'm sorry, Mark. Just let me just say yes. I really, I really love that donation segment, man. There's some beautiful stuff being said there. Just, I, I want you to take that for a moment. No, I'm a card person. Like, I mean, I love when people put something inside the card, but I always keep the card because I always go back and reflect over it and read. And that's, this is the, the, this is our cards. Oh. You know, people are giving it, giving us cards. But you know what we need now? Keep us, keep us going. You know what we need? What's that? We need a P.O. box. Okay. Yeah, you just said you love cards. You want cards? I'm sure people will send you cards. Yeah, for my birthday, that's the best gift you can give me is cards. Because I, I love, I love, especially with their handwritten notes. Yeah, that's nice. It's so that's old how you school. know how people really feel about you. That's right. You know? that's and that's right. the equivalent of uh, of when people write letters into us. So, me and my friend were having this conversation, and it's something he said that made gave me a revelation, and this supports this last segment of the show uh let's just jump right what can i can i look at a little theorem and then go right to the clip oh my goodness i i hadn't even unpacked it i mean this is already so out of there here we go yes okay does it need any setup or just flow the theorem in the clip all right right so it's time to bring the jay's analysis analysisization to alice in wonderland now, a lot of mind control imagery has its origins in Alice in Wonderland. A lot of the tropes <laughs> of MKUltra, of the Illuminate confirm. We always hear about Alice in Wonderland and we hear about Wizard of Oz. So the question is, do these relate to mind control? Do they relate to LSD, drug use, etc.? The CIA's promotion of LSD and hallucinogens, entheogens. I, I don't know. I didn't know. But now that I've read it, and because I've read quite a few books that deal with MPD, DID, and alters, which does factor into the MK's uh, alter research that the CIA did. It does factor into that. They did look into creating alters. But in, in all seriousness, there are so many weird parallels to MPD, DID in Alice in Wonderland that I do think it's at least hinting at where that research would go. Well, you didn't need no theremin for me, Mo. You know, you know, I'm on board with it. So uh, it's always the rain. It's always the rainbows. It's always somewhere over the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, it just kind of hit me growing up. <laughs> and you may remember, you may remember this as well. Growing up every year, it would be that time. And what was that time? <gasps> They're showing the Wizard of Oz tonight. And every year the family would gather around and we'd sit there and we'd watch the Wizard of Oz. And I don't recall that with any other movie except maybe Miracle on 34th Street, which kind of got, you know, there were too many other Santa Claus movies at a certain point. But the Wizard of Oz annual play commercial free, commercial free. In fact, kids, you can watch it all commercial free. And to give a little background <laughs> on the author, uh, Ly- Lyman Frank Baum, uh, he had ties with Madame Helen uh, Blavatsky. 
That was a scene from The Wiz with Diana Ross and her fellow travelers off to see the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And we'll see scenes from The Wiz and four other movies on Sneak Previews, a show where two critics talk about and sometimes argue about the new movies in town. It was announced last year, Roger, as you know, that Diana Ross was going to star in The Wiz, the black version of The Wizard of Oz. And a lot of people, I think, were upset then, because after all, the lead in the original Judy Garland movie and in the black musical was a teenage girl. So with Diana Ross, suddenly the question was going to be, was The Wiz going to be turned into a glitzy one-woman show? Well, it turns out the casting of Diana Ross was a terrific decision. She's superb as a nervous Nellie school teacher thrown into the world of Oz. There she is told to follow a yellow brick road to a wizard who can help her get home. And along the way, she meets a scarecrow who wants the wizard to give him a brain. That scarecrow, played by Michael Jackson of the old Jackson 5, he tells Diana Ross to relax, to ease on down the road. Okay, Dorothy and Toto, seems like we're going to have to find our own yellow brick road. That's a beautiful image of her dancing down that road, so tiny, and yet she really draws our attention. Now, eventually, Diana Ross does collect a tin man and a lion to round out her usual gang. They meet the Wiz and are required to kill an evil witch named Eveline, who's running a garment district sweatshop. Dorothy and the gang bump off Queenie, and that causes everybody, including the long-suffering workers, to sing It's a Brand New Day. I feel like such a dope. <laughs> Having seen having seen this movie as well, never really. Cons- I just, just he just gave me that plot. I'm like, oh my god, I missed I missed all the messaging. I did never figured it out. Now all of a sudden, oh, and it's funny that you said that every year you would watch, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Well, in our household, it was The Wiz. Every year that we will watch, they yep. would come on a certain time. Those bastards! Those bastards! They divided us with the freaking yellow brick road. Well, we've seen a yellow brick road pop up in this whole Black Lives Matter situation. Oh man, I've seen a yellow logo. I've seen all kinds of yellow bricks. I've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you blowing my mind now? Yes, let's let's get into the clip. Street leading to the White House. The heavy police and military presence isn't as noticeable, but Washington still has a long way to go before it starts looking like what it normally looks like. Even in the rain, protesters gathered here near the White House for a seventh straight day, arriving to find this area completely and forever transformed to mark the urgency behind these demonstrations. In a color so bright, it can't be missed. The mayor of Washington, D.C. ordered the streets be painted to send a message that black lives matter. The words stretching well beyond a full city block on a street that leads to the front door of the White House. I'd also like to point out that um, I do not listen to the clips that Mo sends. Now, I can tell by some of the titles what's going on and some of them I know, Uh but... And as you just heard, he obfuscates some things, but that's the beauty of this. I'm experiencing with everybody else for the first time that. And of course, of course, I've seen the street and now clickety, 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 click. It's all coming into place here. Ease on down the road, Adam. Ease on down the road. This is what we're talking about. (laughs) This is the mind control. My this is what my friend told me. He said, that's the yellow brick road. And I when he said that, it was like. Oh no! When it all came together for me too, it was like poof, my head just went 
Oh, holy crap. It is the yellow brick road. And you have Dorothy. You have the, you have the Tin Man. You have the Scarecrow. And you have the uh, Cowardly Lion. But let's but before we get there, let's just hear a little more about the color yellow. The Color Psychology of Yellow by Kendra Cherry in VeryWellMind.com The color yellow can be bright and intense, which is perhaps why it can often invoke such strong feelings. Yellow can quickly grab attention, but it can also be abrasive when overused. It can appear warm and bright, yet it can also lead to visual fatigue. While color associations can be influenced by a number of different factors, including past experiences and cultural associations, some colors do tend to evoke certain moods or feelings. Yellow can also create feelings of frustration and anger. While it is considered a cheerful color, people are more likely to lose their tempers in yellow rooms, and babies tend to cry more in yellow rooms. Yellow is energetic. As seen in the following quotes from our readers, yellow is often perceived as being a high-energy color. It's often used in situations and products intended to create a sense of excitement or energy. It's bright and immediately grabs the eye. It can seem fresh, intense, overwhelming, or even brash and forceful in its energy. Quote, Fully saturated yellow is only good for brief exposure because its stimulating effect is so powerful it can build up emotional energy quite quickly. Sometimes yellow can come off as very aggressive and even confrontational. In great quantities, people may be left feeling irritated or even angry when surrounded by yellow. Oh, man. Was that Dame Jennifer? (laughs) Yes. I, not, not only, so first of all, thank you, Dame Jennifer, but I love the format with the page flip. That's a great that, little, that's great, Mo. That was, that was, that was my, my editing to her because it was this article. We had to go check it out, the color yellow, and we, uh, I'll send you the link to it. But hey, can I just say color something? Yellow, just before you yes, get to yellow, ahead. just so mm-hmm. people understand, because you heard a lot of uh, things here being said about what a color does. There's a reason, just to understand colors and on people's moods, there's a reason why they call it the green room. The green room, the color really? green, gives you a peaceful calm. That's where the theater people used to sit in the green room before they go on. And, of course, now it's moved over to any guest for any show will be in the green room because it puts you in a good place. It's proven it works. And this color yellow... It's very special because it can energize one side while simultaneously agitate the other side and frustrate. So when they painted this street yellow, it triggered a lot of people. Do you know the pan? We need to find out what the exact Pantone number is of that color. Because I bet you that's documented somewhere. Well, I will say this. It's amazing how the authorized black lives matter slogan matched the the paint color exactly to the unauthorized defund the police and i even saw an unauthorized black lives matter yellow that was being used by act blue as their uh donation page i mean it's all mm. and, and and the yellow i think is new mo but has it always been BLM in 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 yellow? No, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I, I'll have to look that up. But I will 
Also, D.C. is not the only city now that has a yellow brick road. San Francisco has one as well. Uh, Lombard Street. <laughs> right? So you say, I, I believe so, because yeah. um, they, they did Lombard it unauthorized. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is coordinated. And yellow. Holy crap. Soros, man. Is 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 he that good? <laughs> No, nah, this has got to be that good. some other brains, they're, man. Someone's good. They're on this. that good. This is long term. This is long term that has affected both of us from our childhood. They've been programming our fucking brains in two different dimensions with the same story. I have. I know there's naysayers, naysayers out there that say, "Mo, what the hell are you talking about?" Okay, I got your yellow brick road. But where's your Dorothy? Where's your cowardly lion, Tin Man? And you notice, you notice I didn't question you who they were because I knew you were coming. <laughs> I knew you were coming with them. White people hijack Black Lives Matter. One thing I noticed uh, this past weekend, yeah, white people have taken over this movement. I went to two marches. Can I? Can, can we I go on to, to this? Marches, can we go son? on to this? Son. Can we go on to it? Go talk son. to me. <laughs> I and they turned into say, Coachella. I know. I would say there was five black people for every hundred white people there. So Son. I was shocked. And this was in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Son, I was in Santa Barbara. Okay. Oh. White as fuck, but they had a had they had a march going. Yeah. And so I took my girl's family and shit. And um but I just wanted to check it out because I was like, there's no black people in Santa Barbara, like very few, right? Yeah. And there was a few people there, and it was cool. Everybody was supporting everything like that. But I started to look around at the people at the march, and I was like, hmm. And I go, oh, shit, this has become the outcast. Like, anybody who's an outcast that wants to fight against the system that they believe has oppressed them is now supporting this thing. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it in terms of Black Lives Matter. But part of me is kind of like, they just want to tear down the system that made them feel like shit or inferior or not part of something. And I wonder if it's going to start to get co-opted because as I see more of these things, they're looking fun. And <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun at a protest, but you shouldn't. Black like, people should have never Cupid shuffled at that protest. That's when, That was the tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> ease on down that road, Adam. Doom, doom, come on in. Ease on down. Ease on down the road. That's right. So you have... Let's go through the characters right quick of who 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 we have. Okay. Dorothy, black women. Yep. Scarecrow, people that can't think for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Tin Man, people that just want to feel. They want to feel something. That's right. And Cowardly Lion, people that are just suffering from anxiety and all kind of fear, fearfulness. Now, the question is. <laughs> Who's, the natural outcast that he, he who's the to. who's the wizard of Oz? Soros. Just one. And who's the evil witch? Trump. It's so perfect, isn't it? It is fundamental. <laughs> I've only put a couple links in our show notes for for today's show. <laughs> These two movies are fundamental and. I'm. Did you find any research on? I know that these movies have been researched forward and backward, but maybe not from this perspective. 
Did you did you find any uh, any deep what, research what, MK on MK Ultra or no? These movies specifically, I, I you know what? No one. I've read a lot of conspiracy shit. I've been through mm-hmm. the MK Ultra up and down. I've read the Unabomber Manifesto. You name it. I have never ever considered the Wizard of Oz and the Wiz as two sides of the same story specifically meant for two different audiences and promoted as such for decades. And if you remember, NBC brought back the Wiz. Yes, they recently. did. Yes, they did. <laughs> the li- was it the live the live ver- did they do the live version? What was yeah, that? It was it was it was the live version. Yes, production. Yes. Holy yes. crap. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Mo. You've blown my mind once again. This was this was uh surprising. I did not expect this end. And, and now well, it's and not now, over just yet. It's I, not over just yet. Oh, <laughs> it's a two punch. Okay. All right. As the as uh, I think his name is Aska Sai mentioned the Cupid Shuffle, cops and Cupid montage. <laughs> like this just continue to pop up just showing unity throughout the nation as well this what you're looking at right now officers and protesters in nebraska coming together and doing the cupid shuffle this all happening after law enforcement and black leaders signed an agreement called hold cops accountable that agreement means they would hold monthly community meetings to discuss concerns and complaints about the lincoln police department the people came to downtown Newark last night to peacefully protest against police brutality and the death of George Floyd. Yeah, local law enforcement say that it was really a good opportunity to try to improve those police community relations. And then this happened. An unidentified officer joined the crowd while they were dancing to the Cupid Shuffle. How can you not join know, in with right? Cupid mm-hmm. Shuffles on? The protesters were pretty impressed with the moves. It wasn't the only law enforcement officer that was dancing either. Oh, how sweet. He was there to serve and protect and apparently dance like no one's watching. Officer Jose Marrero was working at RV City in Jacksonville for the Florida-Georgia football game. His job was probably to keep the crowd under control. But it seems he couldn't control himself when everyone started doing the Cupid Shuffle. Whoa. Oh. That last clip? Oh. That last clip? Yeah. Two, 2016. Well, the song is from, like, two. 2005, 2006? What I'm saying is they had cops dancing to the Cupid Shuffle in 2016. No, it's to- I totally get what you're saying, man. I'm totally there. <laughs> ease on down that road. I'm trying it's to the modern version of Ease on Down the Road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they try- it was interesting because they tried to make this happen with the Macarena with the cops. Right. And and it just Mm-mm. didn't fly. It was one, and it and it didn't quite go. And then this the Cupid shuffle, and it just popped up. And once it gets put on on the news, then it keeps perpetuating. Whoa! Did it just pop up, or did somebody see that clip from 2016 and say, "Hey, no, 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 no"? I, I'm not. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I, I got when, what you say. I'm just 
It just putting it for out there it, for the people. It keeps popping up more and more once you put it on TV. And the I mean, every, the song like I'm going to go to Spotify. I'm going to play that song in a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a great ah. Uh. Okay, well, <laughs> of course, the question is, uh, will it play out like the movie? And will we actually find out who the man is behind the curtain? I doubt it because he's out in plain sight. <laughs> there's nothing to see here. But what we did find out about the man behind the curtain, he really had no power at all. That's right. Once it was pulled back, that is the. Yep. That is the. Okay. <laughs> that's the silver lining, people. That's the. That's the. Wow. Okay. So, um, to be on the lookout, I got research to do. I'm. I just. It, it's tripping me out that I've never considered this. So I've got, and that's part of the beauty. This is the value that I received. Um, I'm going to look at these two movies side by side. I'm very excited about that idea. And I know there's research on it and uh, I'm going to propagate, man. People have to listen to this episode. This was so, so fun. So, so good. I really appreciate the work, man. I know that uh, it's been a very busy time for you with a full-time job and with, uh, with the move. Uh, but you, you outdid yourself, man. I love this. This was this was great, and I I thought I knew everything wrong again. Curry, the the Wiz and the and the Wizard of Oz and our two shared experiences split split by uh, a Hollywood divide. It's just it's, it's blown. I can't wait to go down and tell my wife. It's blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. Well. If you guys felt this uh, was valuable and you made it to this part in the show, which I know you do because this is where the payoff always is, uh, please consider supporting this. Uh, become an executive producer, uh, associate executive producer, or just a producer. It, everything helps. The only question is, what value did this have for you? It's about uh, two hours and 45 minutes, a little bit longer than that. Uh, you could have spent your time doing a lot of different things. We appreciate you spending your time with us and consider the support, mofax.com. Uh, or direct the donation page at mofundme.com. As I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we'll see you in about a week from now. Mo, thank you once again. All right, see you later, Adam. All right, everybody, take care. See you next time here on Mo Facts with Adam Curry. But that's the whole tragic point, my friends. What would I do? suddenly feel and to know once again that what I feel is real I could cry I could smile I might lay back for a while tell me what 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 would I do if I could What would I do if I could reach inside of me and to know how it feels to say, I like what I see, and I'd be more than glad to share all that I have inside of you. more than glad to sing 
fall from my eyes. Just think of all the wounds they could mend. And just think of all the time I could spend. Just being vulnerable again. Tell me what? What? What would I do? Oh, tell me what? What? What would I do? Oh, tell me what? What? What, what would, would I, I do? do? Give up.